hit a roll. Thought we had it, now it's dead and gone. I'ma do this one, I'm out of my mind. She said the floor is venomous, pulling out all ten of us. Blood falling from my fingertips, all the time, I'ma let it rush. Hey everybody, you are listening to the We Are Rising podcast, your source for all things Ryzen and JMMA, news, features, reviews of fights, etc, etc. This is your host, Andrew Benjamin, and I am joined by a special guest today. With us talking about Josh Barnett's Bloodsport 2, we have Zachary Shiloh, who is the host of the program Black Lions Airspace and Black Lions EyeSight. And you can see them both. You can see the eyesight on YouTube, and you can listen to Airspace on SoundCloud. Is that correct? You can listen to Black Lions Airspace on Anchor FM, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, and other audio means. Just look up BLK Lions Airspace. Great. And that should take you to where you can find me. Great. And uh, yeah, again, Zach. Thank you so much for uh, agreeing to uh, be on the show today. I really appreciate you taking your time out. Thank you very much for actually <laughs> inviting me. I actually did not notice the invitation until Bloodsport was over. Well, good. That means you're watching the show, unlike a lot of people who are always on their phone when they go to wrestling shows, which really irritates me a lot. I hear you. Uh, but yeah, uh, let's just talk a little bit about yourself. Um, uh, who are you? Uh, who are you? Where are you from? How long have you been a wrestling fan? Yeah, just tell us all, all about yourself. Alright, so, hello, I'm Zachary Shallow. I've been an all-life New Yorker pretty much since 1987. And if anybody knows how to do the math, you know what my age is. I've been a pro wrestling fan since uh, 1995. By way of WCW. I've been an MMA fan on and off since 2004 when they actually started airing The Ultimate Fighter. I've been a podcaster now almost three months as of tomorrow, which today is as of this recording the 9th of September, so the 16th makes three months. And uh, so, how? What is? Do you have any favorite promotions or wrestlers uh, that you can tell us? Whoa, that's a long laundry list. But I'll try my best to give you like a top five or ten. Mm-hmm. All right, my top five wrestlers as of right now, I would say are uh, Minoru Suzuki, Kazuchika Okada. Uh, let's see, who else? Jay Lethal. Two more. And the Briscoe Brothers. Okay. Actually, it's so funny you bring up Minoru Suzuki. As I told you, I have the, I'm wa- I was going to watch that Destruction Show today. I'm actually watching it as I'm talking to you, and they just had the, uh, that eight, that, uh, ten-man tag, I think it was, with, uh, the New Japan guys versus Suzuki-Goon, uh, with Suzuki, uh, going up against Liger and all that stuff. I heard about that by way 
I hope so. I hope so. We get evil Liger. Um, but what about? Uh, I gotta always ask you about the big dog. What are you a fan of WWE or you are you someone who's just not a, watching it anymore? Because let's be honest, that they haven't been good in quite a while. Well, what's your what's your WWE status right now? You took the words right out of my mouth. I actually keep up with the E by way of uh, conversations on Twitter, more so than anywhere else. Oof. I stopped literally watching as of uh, 2018 after Money in the Bank. Because I realized WWE is not giving me what I want. And what I want is my favorite wrestlers at the top of the card. Whereas they want their chosen ones. And I said, you know what? This shit's not for me. Is it not as only... Is it not only that, but it also as a promotion? Well, here's here's why I found fallen out of WWE. It's because I don't know. Like, it's really it's really not a wrestling product anymore. It's like three hours. It's maybe like two hour on, on Raw, two and a half hours of talking and backstage segments, and then these matches that don't have any meaning. That have no, no no consequences or barely any consequences for future uh, future storylines and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I agree wholeheartedly. And if you're hearing noise in the background, a uh, cat of ours is rolling his food around. <laughs> it's so funny. My co-host, who is incognito right now, also has a cat who causes issues. So apparently, cats. And podcasts don't go together. <laughs> uh, but anyways, back to the topic at hand. Dear old WWE, why I really can't stand it. Uh, yeah, I agree. Pretty much it's just lack of consequence. And they're not real sense of work. Meaning... Okay, well, it's supposed to be a kid's show, but we're really showing the boss's son getting his head caved in through a glass window. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be a kid's show, but we got this dude calling himself the Fiend actually killing everybody on sight. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you're not a kid's product. My fiance can even testify to this that we watched WWE since I started moving in, and how many times I actually screamed at this. TV. You're not a kid's product. You're horrible. I think it's all the other the other issue I is, I have with it is I'm, I want to get your opinion on this is the fact that the wrestling doesn't even seem like wrestling. It seems like it almost seems like no, the whole one of the things that that attracts us and we're going to talk about uh, soon Bloodsport and also New Japan, All Japan, Noah. Why those promotions get my eyes because the wrestling looks quote unquote real. When I am watching WWE, they there is no sense of like this person is taking any damage. It seems so safe. It seems so. It just I, I, yeah that's the thing that's the word I can think of is that it's so safe and and that I don't feel like 
that when somebody takes a move, they are receiving damage. Does that make sense? That makes absolute sense to me. And this is partially why I actually went to Bloodsport. It's like, okay, you're trying to be too kid-friendly, but we're all human beings. We get hurt. Why are you protecting these people completely wholehearted? Yeah, it's, and so what's actually that's a good a good transition to Bloodsport. Did you go to or watch the other two shows that they've had so far? Okay, GCW's been running Bloodsport about I think almost two years. The first one was with uh, Matt Riddle, correct? Yes. Okay, so I did not go to that one, but I caught it by way of Fight TV, and I really liked it. I thought. Oh my God, this is so good. It was my show of the year. Hands down. It was even better than Wrestle Kingdom and Final Battle to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also saw it on Fight TV, and it was definitely... I remember that WrestleMania weekend. That, I think it was that show and Joey Janela's Spring Break that were, the one, that were the ones that were getting the most buzz. And I think... I'm, I'm just trying to... I don't know if what's... You know, I think it was kind of equal in terms of... Well, I mean, they happened to be both GCW. Um, I think I wound up actually liking Bloodsport in the end more just because... I think, I think that... Blood, didn't that Joey Janela show go for like three and a half, maybe four hours, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly? I feel like it went on for like pretty long. Um, I think so. Yeah, that's also another reason why I, I like the Bloodsport shows recently, uh, or, or, or all three of them is because of the fact that they don't need to be a half a day, a show that takes over like six hours, five hours, four hours long. The, uh, the show, I think, I think the show Bloodsport 2 was maybe the longest out of those three, but the other two, the one this year during WrestleMania weekend and uh, last year WrestleMania weekend, clocked in maybe two and a half hours total. Um, this one, the one, this one this year, I, the one that, Bloodsport 2, I think may have clocked in at three hours or maybe a little above because it started at seven. And then when I looked at my clock, I know they did have an intermission as well. So there was that. And also I get the pre-show. It was like, it was like half pre-show, half, uh, I guess. I don't know what because uh, so I don't know if you know this. So during at seven o'clock they had like a pre-show showing previous fights from the Bloodsport shows, and they had the two prelim fights that we'll talk about, um, that that, that they showed on Fight TV for free by the way, um, which by the way was really cool. Felt like you know a UFC show where they're like, oh hey, w- watch this on free TV and then pay for the uh, stream to see the main card. Um, but yeah, I want to get your. Th- you're there at Bloodsport, uh, uh, at the L- showroom in Atlantic City. Tell us what was like the atmosphere around the show, um, there. Okay, but before we actually get to that point, I actually was at the previous Bloodsport back in April. Oh, okay, okay. I was there second row to see the whole entire show and. I thought that was my show of the year before we even got all the way through spring. I said, yeah, this is going to be something special for years to come. Mm-hmm. 
especially that main event of Barnett versus Murder Dad or Suzuki. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, my God. I really wanted to see an ultimate winner. But sad to say, they went to a draw twice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With overtime. But I love that day feeling satisfied. And that's way more I can say than their old WWE could ever do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now fast forward to the present. I bought my tickets all the way back in June when I actually heard from a tournament of survival that it was coming back. I said, yep, I'm going. I'm going. And the actual you... show kicks off pretty well. So, I love both preliminary matches. Uh, well, like, what was the, at- the audience atmosphere, though? Because, you know, it's one thing for it to be on t- uh, to see on TV. I, I, and, but being there, you know, and again, you know, being at the Bloodsport show, uh, both Bloodsport shows this year, uh, what, what would you say was the, is the atmosphere around these Bloodsport shows? Uh, does the audience, in your opinion, does the audience, like, do they, I guess, play along? I guess you could say, do they, do they understand what they're getting? Is is it did it is it is it attracting the type of crowd that 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 normally doesn't go to shows? Like, what can you tell us about like the audience uh, from your perspective? The actual audience of Bloodsport from the two that I've been to, it feels like a big style feel. It feels like if you actually were going to a actual fight in a club, mm-hmm. the people there they were mad chill. Some of them got beer, some of them got wine, some of them got water, some of them got soda. But everybody that was in there was an actual GCW fan from what I understood and saw. Mm-hmm. I saw JPQ from uh, Brain Buster Radio. He's a GCW fan. Uh, my friend Tracy, who goes by the name of The Advent on Twitter, she's a GCW fan. And this guy that calls himself uh, The Lariat on Pro Wrestling, who... For some odd reason, we got the demon elevator where the wrestlers are kind of staying. And we're staying in the same wing as them, some of them. <laughs> we're looking at each other at the time like, holy shit, what is this? <laughs> Seriously? We literally had to get off the damn elevator and go to, across just to get to our respective floors. But bottom line is this. Everybody that's been in attendance to these blood sports. May they have been regulars or news. We are all GCW fans. And we were just there to support our product. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, a lot of people have... I also, that's another thing as well we have to talk about briefly is that GCW, Game Changer Wrestling, really is, I think, at the forefront of what can be great about independent wrestling. Uh, and I'll definitely put them as like maybe number one East Coast uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to uh, independent promotions because they don't. And here's the thing: I'm not. I'm not, I'm not gonna sit here and say I'm a fan of everything they do. They do. I'm not a fan of some of the wrestlers that they bring in, especially for those hardcore deathmatch things. But for the others, further for what they are doing, idea wise, and what they are, what they do, they manage to capture. Uh, the 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 wrestler the wrestling fans attention like no, no other promotions can do at this time or seemingly have a hard time doing I'll say at this time if your name isn't you know New Japan 
or AEW or even WWE. They they just they they manage to just I would say one up themselves almost for every every show with some crazy match or some like crazy stipulation, and that makes people go, "What the fuck? How do you do that? How, wh- whoever would think of such a thing?" Uh, well, at the forefront, I kind of agree. I was looking forward to this blood sport thing, meaning uh, overall three with Barnett, because of the revolutionary ideas that were being portrayed. Like, they actually made this bigger than it was. I didn't remember in the past two blood sports having a press conference the night before. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's that's another cool thing as well. So the day before, they had a press conference, like UFC, kind of like UFC style, where they had uh, some of the competitors there and, uh, you know, giving promos and, all, you know, telling them, you know, saying why they're going to win all that stuff and taking Q&As, which I thought was awesome. I wish more, and now, now obviously New Japan does stuff like that. Ring of Honor has kind of dabbled in that. WWE doesn't do that at all, as far as I know, but... The way that they Bloodsport did it was it felt legit, and that's what I really liked about it. You know, it felt like, and I gotta also say, um, were you there for the uh, press conference? I was gonna be there come hella high water. What did you? I was not gonna miss it. What did you think of Anthony Corelli's promo that he gave on his match? Oh my god, I, I did not think that he was gonna show up. I was actually sitting in the uh, showboat lobby waiting for the actual press conference to start. And I'm seeing Killer Cross, Brett Lauder Dingle, and a whole bunch of other people just go by the diamond room. And I'm thinking for a second that the diamond room was where it's going to be. But then another gentleman went by that's not Josh Barnett, and I said, I got to follow him. And lo and behold, it was somewhere else. But Anthony Corelli, he shows up like as the Q&As are kind of going <laughs> on and up. And I'm saying to myself, damn, this just jacked. <laughs> it's great. And even more healthy than he was in WWE. But his actual promo, I could tell he's not Santino. <laughs> not by any means. He is Anthony Corelli. He's there to prove that he's a great judo master, as he was saying. He's been doing it like over 30 years. And sad to say, dear old Uncle Vince didn't want to actually give him the chance to display that. Mm-hmm. Though it's always fu- it's funny. I always like to say that what happened was that uh, if you ever seen his, he was if you ever seen the Boris Alexiev thing, he was gonna do an OVW, but then. I guess they found out he could do comedy, and so that's what happened, is that apparently, and this is what Dean Ambrose said in that Jericho podcast, was that if you do comedy and Vince finds out you can you can make people laugh, you're going to be, that's going to be you forever. So that's probably what, that's probably what happened, and they gave a Boris Alexiev to Vladimir Kozlov. That's my big uh, conspiracy theory. Um, but that's a new day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, new day as well. Um, but, uh, so, yeah, they had a press conference, it was really cool, and if you want to watch it, it's on, it's on the GCW's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter page, 
Um, and uh, Fight TV. Oh, sorry. Was it? It's, it's all. Was it on Fight TV? I didn't see it on Fight TV. It was on Fight TV. Oh, I wish it. Oh, damn it! I was wish I had. I wish I had known that. I would have watched it on Fight TV rather than uh, through Facebook. Um, but uh, yeah, let's let's first start with this Bloodsport Two show. And I'll also actually before we before we get into that, just two questions I want to ask you, uh, Zach. Uh, I want to get your opinion on. Uh, what do you think about the no ropes? Um, aesthetic of Bloodsport. Do you like it, or would you rather see them add ropes, kind of do like a UW, a more UWFI thing? Um, what's your opinion on that? I loved it. It makes it feel like it's an actual uh, MMA-style show. The ropes would have made it feel like the traditional style of pro wrestling, but at the same point in time, Barnett said it best. They are there to actually bring the violence to show what pro wrestling can be in its purest form. And with ropes, that's kind of like a hindrance on the talent, in my point. Mm-hmm. And the other question I have is, and we asked almost all the wrestlers who we interviewed uh, this question, and this was... <laughs> I it. think I know going to ask. Uh, well, what, Jordan Grace... Uh, put on Twitter that she considers a wrestling and arts or performance art and that say calling it a sport holds it back. And so I want to get your thoughts. Do you, what do you consider wrestling? Do you consider it performance art, sport, hybrid of both, something entirely different? What say you? As a pro wrestling fan, I actually consider it a complete sport with a few hints of uh, theatrics. But at the end of the day, it's not about the grunts and the glamours. People are talking about matches more way than promos or backstage vignettes or video packages. Like with Bloodsport, people are saying that a certain uh, MLW talent match will discuss <laughs> is the match of the evening. And I will not dispute that for one second. But at the same point in time, it's kind of like theatrical from the standpoint of uh, video packages like Barnett uh, showing everybody that, okay, we're like Highlander in a sense. There can be only one winner. So I said, yeah, in a sense, it's theatrical. However, it's real. So is that, Grace has the right to believe what she believes in. I'm not going to rip her. She's one of the best wrestlers on the planet. Mm-hmm. Why not? Because yeah, it was funny, because we asked some wrestlers who were like in agreement with her. Others were much more, shall we say, she's dead wrong. Others saw a middle ground. So it's very interesting to see just pr- pr- the perspective of not only f- of the wrestlers, but also how fans... When they go to like how they perceive pro wrestling, and and I think it's it's I think it's, it's still an interesting discussion to have. I'll be honest, I have I have my own thoughts uh, that are still developing. I feel like I don't I feel like just calling performance art kind of almost if you call it pure performance art, I think that kind of that kind of degrades it in a way that kind of makes it seem like very circusy. Uh, Show, show, show uh, like a like a sideshow type thing. I'll tell you this. Sorry, go ahead. 
Kind of like WWE. Yeah. Here's the thing. If I go, if I told Minoru Suzuki that I consider a wrestling performance art, I probably would have my neck snapped. So to. Oh yeah, the Japanese. They are very strict when it comes to pro wrestling. Exactly. Especially those that actually have survived uh, New Japan for X amount of years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to, to people like Minoru Suzuki, Togi Makabe, Tanahashi, well, maybe less Tanahashi, but, you know, but those, those guys consider it sports. They treat it like sport. They train for it like it's a sport. But Especially that, somebody like Minoru Suzuki and Makabe, mm-hmm. who actually have had some of the best matches in, like I say, the last two to three years. Yes, that. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. The one thing that I can uh, faithfully say, though, is that my friends who are not wrestling fans tend to enjoy the wrestling that is most sports-like. That they're the, that's the ones that they can watch the most. And also the ones that I'm not entirely embarrassed to show them. So, it's it seems like, at least from my perceived notion, that non-wrestling fans go towards more what is realistic and not a, and not sports entertainment de uh, type of wrestling. I don't know if you've ever seen that. If you can agree with that or have similar. Um, See something similar to that, but that's how I've 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 seen uh, my non wrestling fans react to uh, that type of wrestling. I agree. I agree. When non wrestling fans hear the words pro wrestling, they're thinking, "Oh, it's just sports entertainment shit. It's not actually entertainment." Mm-hmm. I'm thinking in the back of my mind, you motherfuckers actually want to watch stuff like uh, Marvel or DC or any other movies or. TV shows that are quote-unquote scripted, why is it not possible? It's almost basically the same thing. Yeah, exactly. You're right. You're right. Um, but let's get into this Bloodsport 2 show, and the first thing is that they had was a prelim show, which they announced, I think the day before, that they're going to show two matches for free on the on this pre-show that you could watch through Fight uh, and, uh, which I thought was, again, really cool of them, because it gets people, you know, who may not be, who are on the fence or something like that to, to watch it, and they're like, oh, okay, you know what, I'll pay for the full show, uh, because I like this stuff. But the show first started off with the match of Weapon X, Matt Mikowski, a wrestler from Chikara, taking on Rory, Rory Gulag, brother of Drew Gulag, and... Uh, Matt Mikowski defeated Roy Gulak by knockout with a head kick. And so, I want to throw it to you, uh, Zach. Uh, what did you think of this opening match? Mikowski versus Roy Gulak, it was a great opener. And Roy Gulak truly proved that he is Bloodsport worthy in my eyes. Mm. I remember being on the road to Bloodsport 3 in general. And Roy Gulak, he was kind of asking Josh Barnett on and off on Twitter, hey, can you actually put me in this Bloodsport thing? And Barnett was kind of like, we don't really know about you, Mm. but want to be in Bloodsport, let's see what you got. And I actually chimed in on one conversation. I said, yeah, put him in. Let's see what he can do. Can he hold his own against somebody like Akela Cross or Minoru Suzuki? We will not know 
unless he's in me. And Barnett, God bless him, he's a, one of the greatest uh, fighters of all time. He's a great businessman, too. He actually listened, and Gulag was on the show. And I was watching that with my fiance, and I was in awe that Gulag really did hold his own. Yeah, uh, here's the thing. I've actually haven't seen any of. Okay, so I was I'm more familiar with Roy Mondo, uh, Roy Gulag's previous gimmick, <laughs> than Roy Gulag, the wrestling machine thing that he does now. And so I just know him from all the hardcore deathmatch stuff he was doing in CZW. So I'll be honest. I other than watching one match that he had with Zack Saber Jr. Uh, in Chikara, I was like, this is maybe my second Rory Gulag match. I knew, I've seen Matt Mikowski stuff, more of his MMA stuff than wrestling, but I saw some of his stuff on Chikara. Um, but I agree with you, this was an awesome opener. And I think we gotta talk about the move, probably the move of the night, when Mikowski did that O'Connor roll into a German suplex into an armbar submission. I lost my shit actually seeing it. I said, what is this? This is great. And the fact that Gulag was trying his best to fight out of it, I had to give him props. But in the end, he lost, what, son of a gun? Mm -hmm. By way of a knockout to the head, or was it by submission? No, no, it was, was yeah. He was on his knees, and uh, he uh, got head kicked by uh, Mikowski. There Um, we go, yes, I remember. Uh, but I, I, I don't know if you do stars for matches or anything like that, but if you do, you're more than welcome to uh, give how many stars you thought this match was. I don't really do stars because of dear old Uncle Dave from the Pro Wrestling Observer and people trying to bastardize that system. I said, you know what, this ain't for me. So I'll just say that uh, Gulak versus... Uh, <clears throat> Mikowski was pretty damn good. Oh, yeah. should actually go out their way to see it if they didn't see it. I definitely think it was the best opener you could have possibly had, and I'm hoping that they got a whole bunch of buys just based on this match. Um, I, I I think the the big question was I had was, how is Rory Gula going to hold up against an MMA fighter? But he certainly did. He certainly was able to out-wrestle uh, Mikowski. Fortunately, he didn't beat him, but he certainly out-wrestled him. So you could definitely say he at least, he, he's at least blood sport worthy again, I think. Wouldn't you say so? I, and then Gulags, they do not play. Like you said, they're from Chikara and CZW. However, they are great wrestlers. They can hold their own in any form of shape. As well, you know, when I asked him what he does on, when I asked uh, Gulag what he does on his free time, he says he just watches wrestling. So, you know, he could be doing a lot of other stuff, but he says he devotes most of his time to just watching wrestling. And, you know, that's a, uh, that's a dedicated motherfucker right there. Um, so, and, what, 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 so, so when the first match has happened now, were you, did you think that, that, how did you think this show, after this first match had happened, you think that this show was going to be great from, right after that? Did you think any other match could top that? What was your thoughts right after that match, if you can remember? 
After that match occurred, we were in a brief intermission. And I'm guessing the people that were watching from Fight TV, they were getting the Chris Dickinson hype video. Mm-hmm. I was laughing at that video, by the way. But back to reality at that point in time. Uh, I thought the opener was smashing, but the rest of the card, let's see how it goes. Yeah. Also, I, um, have you seen any of it on, on tape by any chance? Or have you... Because I wanted to... If you haven't, I was going to bring up the commentary. Because in between this... After this match, and then up until the middle of the show, um, it was Emil J and Tom Waller on commentary. And Waller was great. Absolutely great. Unfortunately... I caught it. After I got home from AC, what was it, yesterday, I bought Bloodsport. I saw the pre-show just to catch the live experience versus the tape. And you were right. Uh, Jay was with Tom Waller for a good while of the night. But on the pre-show, it was MLJ and Larry Legend on and off. Oh, okay. That I, I was trying to recognize the voice. I was like, oh, who... who? Who is that? And it's like, oh, okay, that's why you're a legend. Okay, sure, recognize the voice. Um, but I have to, you know, I don't like to crap on commentators, especially because you know it's live in the moment. It's a hard job to do, and it's a, it's a, it's. You, you, I'm surprised that there's not more screw ups. There's no m- more Mike Adamleys out there, um, just because it's just it's such a daunting task to do. But I do have to say, I don't think that Emil J, when he was solo, was honestly, uh, I didn't think he was, I don't think, I don't, he wasn't bad, but just he didn't, he wasn't good. I don't know if you, do you agree, disagree? He tried his best, he's, he's doing what he's being paid for. Now, is he in the same league as, uh, what's this dude's name, Mauro Ranallo? No, but MOJ, he's pretty damn good when he gets into a certain zone. I would say that, you know, here's the thing. I'll say this, that he definitely seemed to get better as the show went on. But when he started, I don't think it was, it seemed, it was more that he was it was more his lack of knowledge of, of like grappling and perhaps more of the nuances of striking uh, like boxing striking, that maybe I think is where he maybe wasn't the best guy to have solo. I was even thinking that they should even have Josh Barnett on commentary with him up until Barnett's match, or just somebody who you know maybe would just would have a little bit more knowledge about that to like kind of not, not to aid him, you know, not not to so you know he can do the, like the he could do like the color and and then somebody could do the play by play. Or something like that. Um, so no, listen, he wasn't the worst guy. You know, I know some people on Twitter were, were like, were like really shitting on him. He wasn't that bad. It's just that I didn't think he was that good for what was being presented. It'd be like, you know, it'd be like having, um, I'm trying to think. It would be like having Joe Rogan do a pro wrestling show. Because let's be honest, it probably would not be very good. Bro, Joe Rogan doing Joe Rogan doing MMA would be great. It is great, but him doing pro wrestling would probably not be good. I don't think it would, it would turn out very good. 
If Joe Rogan ever did pro wrestling, I'd probably lose my mind and laugh. <laughs> uh, Dude, you went from the UFC all the way to pro wrestling. Yeah. Wow. You're not getting paid the big bucks anymore, huh, pal? <laughs> uh, so uh, let's talk about the next match, the last match on the prelim. It was it's the officially the first women's match on a blood sports show, and it was Sumi Sagai, uh, Ring of Honor Sumi Sakai, former MMA fighter herself. Uh, I believe she also wrestled for All Japan Women's Wrestling at one point. Uh, she's she's been around the scene. It seems like forever. Um, mm. Taking on Lindsay Snow, who I just discovered uh, is the girlfriend of Shannon Moore. Um, this I didn't realize that. I should have actually. From what I heard, it's 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 funny because they have the it looks like they would tattoo each other or something because they both had like the same tattoos all over their body. So I was like, I should have put two and two together and figured that those two must know each other, have some sort of relationship in some way. Um, Lindsay Snow, she's she's been with Rise, uh, Shine. She's also a Naga champion, which is a Brazilian. Uh-huh, that's how I knew her. She, uh, she's uh, she's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu champion in Naga, and yeah, you know she, you know this was the first time I ever seen her. I get on a show live. I've under my understanding is that she has done shows in the Northeast area. I'm guessing it's not a lot though. I feel like she mainly stays to Florida. Region, I feel like. Um, have you ever seen her on any other shows, Zach? Uh, Lindsay Snow, I saw her stuff in Naga. She was pretty damn good. I said, yeah, Sumi Sakai is going to actually have a run for her money. This girl, she's a killer. Oh, yes. And Let that thick frame fool you. One sec. Mm-hmm. And some of her pro wrestling stuff isn't quite so bad either. She's really a good blend of both worlds. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the video of Snow being shot on by that much bigger wrestler woman? I think so. Yeah, she like gave her like a very, shall we say, unsafe power bomb, and so Lindsay Knoll sold it, took her down, and heel hooked her. Shoot heel hooked her. Uh, which I can tell you if you've ever been in a heel hook, that thing is fucking painful. If you don't if you and liable to to tear your uh, Achilles heel if you or uh, if it is not uh, if it is not let go of immediately. If I could describe uh, Lindsay Snow to listeners out there, if you like Killer Cross She's kind of in the same lane as him. Outside of the ring, she's a sweetheart. She's very, very humble. But when she gets into character, that chick is top five killers. If you can actually book her right. Mm-hmm. And GCW did. Even mm-hmm. though we'll get into the details of what happened. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so... Tell, uh, and I'm guessing you're also very familiar with Sumi Sakai as well, probably from Ring of Honor. And um, I don't know if you've ever seen her any of her All Japan Woman stuff or anything like that, but uh, I'm guessing you've seen Sumi Sakai before, right? Oh, yes. I'm very familiar with Sumi Sakai. She is the first ever Women of Honor champion. 
And uh, not only that, but she's actually had several MMA fights. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. People deemed her uh, Mama Asuka or Grandma Asuka. Without Sumi Sakai, there wouldn't be an Asuka or a likes of a Kyrie Sane or even uh, Io Shirai. Mm-hmm. She's cut the four, uh, one of the four people of Ring of Honor, but general Japanese wrestling as we know it. Mm-hmm. In my point. Mm-hmm. And so with this fight, I guess this this match was basically the whole thing was big girl versus little girl. That's what it came down <laughs> to. Um, and so funny because cage match has Lindsay Snow's weight at one nineteen, and there is no way that Lindsay Snow is one nineteen. I have no idea why how they got that weight. That that that's a that's that's so absurd. Um. But what did you think? Oh, so uh, let me get the results of this match. Um, uh, Lindsay Snow, she, uh, Sumi Sakai, uh, tapped out Lindsay, Lindsay Snow by submission with an armbar. Um, uh, hold, hold on a second. I'm gonna, hold on a second, Zach. I'm going to make a group of my, uh, my co host who's coming on right now. All right. Hold Finally, on. into the podcast. Um, so, uh,. Dear Christian, uh, did you get a chance to uh, to watch the show yourself? I know, or did you get to see the results? I'm sorry, all I all I got to see were the results. Unfortunately, I didn't have the twenty bucks to uh, order the event. You know. No, oh, that's fine. That's fine. Shit happens. You know, whatever. It happens. Um, I. But uh, yeah, we were just talking about Lindsay Snow versus Sumi Sakai, uh, with the match uh, going to uh, Sumi Sakai by uh, armbar. And uh, uh, Zach, I wanted to get your thoughts on this match. What did you think of of the first women's match in Bloodsport? This is a, a fine example of the future of Bloodsport. I've been hoping almost two years that we would actually get females on this show. Bloodsport for people that are very curious. It started off as a male-centric thing. And along the way, I'm thinking that I could be wrong, could be right. WWE or even Impact kind of influenced Barnett somewhat to actually have women on this show. I could be wrong. I'm thinking to some degree or another, he wanted women on, but it depended on the reception. And this match, it really paved a good way for women going into the future. Sumi Sakai, she actually came out with flip-flops on, and then when she got in the ring, she was barefooted and did the sumo wrestler style pose just to warm up. I said, yeah, she's ready for combat. Yeah. And Lizzie Snow, she's no pushover by any means. So I just she want... actually didn't sell quite so much of uh, Sumi's uh, offense. Mm-hmm. I, that's why I was shocked when Sumi actually got the win by way of tap out. I said, Wow, I was expecting the American Kaiju to win this one. So, uh, Chris and I were also thinking that uh, 
American Kaiju would win. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, but uh, Sumi... Andrew, I thought that Sumi Sakai would win because of the experience, right? No, I have you down as uh, as as picking Lindsay Snow with me. Oh, well, shit. <laughs> uh, yeah. What the hell I was thinking? I know that these two matches that came on the fight stream were prelims, and I know that in one of the matches, I... I mean, in one of the matches, I guess I backed the wrong course. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, the Matt Mikowski one you did, you picked Roy Gulag. I picked Matt Mikowski. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but still, when it came down to that particular portion of the card, the prelims, obviously everybody was just trying to get in their seats, but it's still wild and crazy. Mm-hmm. So it actually, you know, that what that's one of the things I, I was gonna ask uh, about Bloodsport. What what do you think, Zach? So we Sumi Sakai was wear, was not wearing any shoes, um, which is you know very very com- which is, is common in most MMA promotions. Some do allow wrestling shoes, but uh, Lindsay Snow was wearing boots. Um, do you think that they, that Bloodsport should have like a no footwear rule or? Something, you know, just something a little bit more consistent. Do you have any thoughts on that? I think it should depend on the athlete's uh, way of preference. Sumi Sakai, she really believes that she's an MMA fighter and wanted to respect that tradition. So she came out in flip-flops and covered over them before she really got in the ring. I'm well, not disrespecting Lindsay Zachary. On the contrary, Zachary. Sumi is an actual MMA fighter. She had a like two and five record. Am I right? Yep. Two five oh, one. Please. But oh, thanks for uh, the history lesson, Christopher. Well, you, I really appreciate. It. But it depends on the fighter. I really believe. With Sumi, she wants to really show people that she's an MMA fighter. Mm-hmm. But Barnett said at this start of the actual show that they're all pro wrestlers to some degree or another, but they wanted to bring a more realistic feel to it. So if they wanted to dress how they wanted to dress, that's on them. That's mm. about line. Actually, uh, thank you for bringing that up as well. So before the show started, they, uh, all the all the competitors came out, Strike Force, Pride style, where they all came to the ring and all their names were announced. Which I thought was really, really cool. Um, I'm trying to basically the fighter parade, right? Yeah, yeah the fighter parade. Yeah, I know Ryzen. <laughs> Ryzen does it, um, uh, and uh, I Pride used to do it. Strike Force used to do it, um, at least for the tournaments. Fortunately, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, I just thought that was really cool as well. So I just wanted. To, I forgot to bring that up as well. But uh, actually, uh, just a, a little. Um, a little uh, Ryzen-related um, thing with this match. So the way that Sumi Sakai did the armbar was very similar to how Ayaka Hamazaki tapped out Kanazakura with like that that figure four uh, armbar that she did when uh, Kanazakura tried to flip out of it. Remember that, Christian? Yeah, I remember that. It was kind of exactly the same, the exactly the same way that Sumi Sakai did uh, to get the uh, submission win. I was like, oh, cool. Very, that was like Ayaka Hamazaki. Um, so, yeah, but what, what do you think overall of this uh, match, uh, Zach? Uh, your thoughts overall? 
My thoughts overall, I loved it. Sui Sakai proved why she is a legend in MMA and pro wrestling. And the American Kaiju, she is not to be slept on. If people did not know about Lindsay Snow, they should really look up her Naga stuff and some of her pro wrestling. She is really a top-tier talent if given the time to go and grow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I also agree. This match was very, very awesome. Very, very... You know, they, you could have two better prelim matches. Uh, they, you know, it just, you know, they got lucky. You know, sometimes prelim matches don't go very well. I mean, that's why they're called the prelims. Because usually, they're usually considered afterthoughts. Uh, but they should be considered just as important as every other match. Because those are the matches that you may be getting a new audience for. And so, yeah, good on uh, good on GCW, Barnett, whoever, for deciding to have these two matches basically... Yeah, you know, it made me more excited for the card uh, once the main card started right after this. Um, but, uh, yeah, and uh, with that, uh, after this was the main card. Uh, here's oh. the thing, Andrew. Yes. Here's the thing. You and Zachary were there to see it live. Oh, I wasn't there. I wasn't there. I watched I it on Fight TV. It was kind of my thing. <laughs> but you guys were there live to see it. When the prelims happened, did you guys even know that those were the prelims, or did y'all have to wait until after the Larry Legend Parade of Fighters just to realize that? I knew. They actually made the announcement like about a day or two before. Um, Christian, I got sorry, I got to correct you, but I was actually not there. I wound up getting out of work way too late. And it would have been a three-hour drive, and by the time I would have gotten to Lake City, it would have been 11 p.m. So, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. Uh, that sucks. yeah. Um, so, unfortunately, I was not. I fortunately could not make it live, so I just stayed home and did all the watching on uh, Fight TV and all that stuff. Uh, Damn, that does suck. But still, when it comes to that particular style of event, do you think that prelims are key to? you know, get asses in the seats or eyeballs to the screen. Absolutely. Because I watched the prelims later, much later that night, like after everything all settled, you know? I agree. I think it gets definitely more eyes, uh, especially on Fight TV. Um, what do you think, Zach? Do you agree that, that prelims like that gets people more, more likely to buy uh, the show? I believe so. I remember somebody on Twitter, I don't remember the name exactly, but they were talking to a friend of mine and they were saying, oh, I'm skeptic. Should I really buy this show? And I actually chimed in. I said, okay, just give the pre-show a shot. If the two matches, whatever they are, we didn't know at the time it was going to be Mikowski versus Gulak and uh, <clears throat> Sakai versus Snow. Whatever they were, give them a shot. If they do not whet your appetite at all. You save yourself $20. Yeah, I know. I agree. Yeah, it was really, it really was a smart idea of GCW to do that. Um, and I wish more wrestling promotions would do that. Just, you know, give a match or two free or something like that. I know that New Japan used to have their show, used to have the beginning uh, of their shows, usually two matches for free on YouTube. They stopped doing that for some reason. I have no idea why. 
But yeah, I was. Well, that's video were free on YouTube and UStream before the UStream thing died down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. I wish more wrestling promotions did that because you see MMA promotions do that with with prelim shows that you have the opportunity to watch it like free. Bellator, you can watch it on Bellator's Facebook page or Bellator's YouTube or with UFC, you can watch it on uh, on uh, Fox Sports or whatever channel they're on. I have no idea, but yeah, it's. Yeah, they're now on ESPN, unfortunately. Oh, excuse me, ESPN. So yeah, you have it gives an opportunity uh, for people who are on the fence to it, it gives you an opportunity to make more money and more customers. So I wish more promotions were smart enough to do that. Um, but uh, the main car now officially started, and what match they start off with? They start off with Anthony Henry. Taking on Impact Wrestling, Zachary Wentz, member of the Rascals. Uh, Anthony Henry, uh, FIP champion uh, for the Florida promotion Full Impact Pro. And has wrestled for Evolve. Um, and was on that Evolve show that was shown on the network, WWE Network, um, about a few and months JD ago. And J.D. Drake's former partner as of right now. Ah, yes, yes. And uh, Zachary Wentz with Impact Wrestling. Uh, PWG, I think, is any PWG tag team champion with, uh, Desmond Xavier, I believe? Yeah, he is. He's also with Impact Wrestling as well with Zachary. I mean, he's also with Impact Wrestling as well alongside Trey McGill and Desmond Xavier. Uh Uh-huh. And so, this match... Oh, by the way, forgot to mention, he and Trey McGill are the last ever Russell Circus Big Top Tag Team Champions. Before that commercial, I mean, before that promotion, you know, crashed and burned. Oh yes, this so, past summer. <laughs> yeah, rest R.I.P. Um, but uh, this match, uh, <laughs> basically, they killed themselves because they had their own shit to deal with. <laughs> uh, this match, uh, the uh, the ending was Anthony Henry defeated Zachary Wentz by submission with a mounted triangle choke. Wrist lock arm bar. Uh, and I gotta say, this was a great match to have to open the main card. And I especially love how Zachary Wentz tried to do exactly like Jorge Masvidal did to Ben Askren. Went in for a running flying knee. Unfortunately, it did not work as much as uh, it did for Masvidal. So, but nonetheless, I, I appreciate the effort on his part. <laughs> but uh, what do you think of this match overall, uh, Zach? Okay, this opening contest on the actual pay-per-view, it was pretty damn good. I really thought Zachary once came into his own here. I'm more so used to him being the rascal along with uh, Miguel and uh, Desmond Xavier, but he really showed uh, Henry, who's the FIP champion, that he could hold his own. Mm-hmm. You don't need the rascals quite so much. Yeah, it was really, it was re- really cool to see like what uh, what Zachary Wentz would do, considering that he mostly does the high flying stuff. What is he gonna do to stay to like be a grounded wrestler? And I mean, he I guess he, he did the flying knee, which I guess was the most fun. Actually, we didn't mention it before, but uh, in Matt Mikowski's match, he actually went for a moonsault. I remember that was like the only like real high flying move on this entire show, and it was funny that the M- former MMA fighter went to do something like that. 
but uh, yeah, Zachary Wentz. Football trying to be like what Michael Demolador Pahelia did earlier that night. Oh yeah, we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll we'll talk about that when that happens. Uh, <laughs> uh, because it's funny when that match was happening, what match was going on during blood sports. But uh, yeah, so what happened was yeah, this this was a I, I, just like two great young young up and comers trying to prove that they are there that they are the future. I lo- I really loved how this match was. How this match was uh was laid out and just how it went because you had two you had two guys coming in there and leaving it all in the ring and basically saying yeah we're the future but only one of us can be the can be the future star and yeah I really I love this match a lot it was so good I really enjoyed it a lot uh, any other any thoughts on it any more thoughts on it, Zach. I love the explosive start of it. I almost felt like I was watching Ring of Honor in its original days. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, did you have a particular favorite in this match when you went in? Did you think uh, Zach or uh, Anthony was going to go for going to get the win? Oh, I really thought possibly that uh, Henry will win because he's a little bit more. In the strong style sense of uh, fighting, and it kind of showed in the match, but I did not un- underestimate uh, Zachary once by any means. Just because he's a goof by way of the rascals doesn't mean that he could really hold his own. He really did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Somewhere down the line, I would like to see that match again. Do you think we'll? Do you think the match could be like an impact? Well, I'll, I don't know. With him being, with Henry being involved, I, I, that might complicate things. I don't know. Where where could the match ha- possibly happen? Where do you think? Uh, where it could be, you know, do we have to worry about bullshit TV deals or contracts or anything of that sort? Whoa. Yeah, isn't Henry kind of like done with the vault? Yeah, he's with the vault, which basically means that you're. With WWE, with not WWE, but with WWE. Yeah, that's kind of like a challenge in itself. You're dealing with the almighty empire, but at the same point in time, you're kind of like dealing with uh, impact at the same point. And those those two never really mesh. Mm -hmm. So if these two were to fight again, it has to be somewhere that's kind of a little bit off the radar, where WWE or impact won't know. Huh. Maybe they should don masks and do it for Chikara. Oh, I'd be for that. I just have to know who they are. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, this was yeah again a great match. Um, really, really, you know, I, I I think also what was great about these two was that it, it definitely you know Henry we knew he had he had a. Of quite a few MMA fights on his on his record, but Zachary Wentz, you know, he he posted one fight that he had on his Twitter that he did way back when. But I guess that was the big question of how Wentz was going to be in this match. And you know what he, you know, he brought on. You know, I would love to see more of this type of Wentz. You know, the goofy rascals. You know, I could do do away with that at this point. I think he can go be a much more serious wrestler. At this point, and this match really showed that. I agree. Um, but 
the way, when it comes to Zachary Wentz, and I know that Zach, I mean, I know that Zach, you've seen it live. Andrew, you've seen it live. I didn't fucking see it at all. <laughs> but when it comes to Zachary Wentz, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure that basically had people enjoy you know, his work and realize, you know, this man is way more than a gimmick wrestler, and I'm pretty sure that'll apply to, you know, us talking about Santino Morella later on, a.k.a. A.J. Caleri, but still, I think people now realize that Zachary Wentz has a whole new arsenal to work with, and it's not just comedy wrestling, it's actual amateur-style combat is actual MMA combat. Mm-hmm. I mean, the dude knows how to pull no punches, and as far as Anthony Henry goes, everybody knows his career is in, I guess, purgatory right now, because you just debuted on the WWE Network, you're pretty much done with Evolve, and you're still wrestling for a full impact world. But... I think that if given a chance, if given that opportunity, he's going to have a future in events like these if Josh Barnett decides to do more of these blood sport events. Mm-hmm. Oh, there'll definitely be more blood sport. Unfortunately, I think Anthony Henry is probably NXT bound at some point, um, most likely. So may not have Anthony uh, Henry. So you're, basically, so you're basically saying that he's going to be going to the big fan Stanford? Yep, and you know we may get Zachary once again, but I don't think we're, this this could be potentially Anthony Henry's. My big my big prediction was that he's going to be w, Henry was going to be in WWE by next year. That was my big bull prediction, and I can see that. Well, what the hell were they going to use out of a thirty seven year old man? Oh well, who you know look you know they hire everybody now, so you know, and he even kind of implied that like we might see him on NXT at some point when we talk to him. He didn't outright say it, but he basically sound, said that, like, it sounded like that he is definitely going towards NXT at some point. Maybe not WWE proper, but certainly um, the Florida, uh, the Florida uh, WWE, shall we say. And, uh, and you know what? It is kind of crazy because I think that WWE used to have an age limit on competitors. Especially after they hired Marty Wright, a.k.a. the Boogeyman, who was in his 40s. But still, I don't think that Anthony Henry is WWE bound quite yet, at least from what I know. But I I mean, I don't know if he might have to reconsider this, but if he does go to the WWE, if, if he does go to the WWE, that's good for him. If not... I can definitely see him in more blood sport type events, or maybe even more events where he actually can get more exposure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now on to the next match, which this was my favorite match of the night. We had J.R. Kratos taking on Eric Hammer, former IGF wrestler Eric Hammer. J.R. Kratos, a blood sport veteran. Uh, defeating Simon Grimm at the April Bloodsport show this year. And uh, Eric Hammer defeated J.R. Kratos by submission with, I originally thought it was a reverse bulldog choke, but then 
I, I, it seemed to be more a scarf hold headlock, kind of like what Rocky Martinez uh, gave to Jerome Banner uh, mm. at the, at Ryzen at, at his debut. The armpit choke. The armpit choke. Also, uh, Mark Holman did that to Dan Severin, I believe, um, on a sh- on a UFC show way back when. Do you remember that, Christian? Uh, I think I do. Yeah. I think I remember that. Um, but yeah, you rarely ever see this type of submission in MMA matches, so it's like those are probably the only two times it's ever happened. Also, called a fat man choke, apparently as well. But um, yeah. And the two seventy choke. Don't forget because your neck gets twisted two hundred seventy degrees. Yeah, I was also tempted to write to uh, when I did the uh, the results for uh, MMAsucker.com. I was tempted to write down anaconda choke. But an anaconda choke in grappling is an entirely different submission. And I didn't want to confuse people that 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 that, that was how it was finished because that's not the type of anaconda choke that I was referring to. Um, but, uh, yeah, this to me was my match of the night. Uh, it was also the, the match, the only match, as far as I can remember, where there was blood as J.R. Kratos' nose looked like he got, got, he got hit with something and started bleeding from the nose, so... Bloodsport, not only in name only for this show. And, um, yeah, basically, this was two hosses just beating shit out of each other and trying to trying to choke each other out. And I, I loved every second of it. Eric Hammer is awesome. This guy needs to be brought back for another Bloodsport show or do a round of the indies at some point because he is, he is awesome to watch. Uh, so is J.R. Kratos, of course. But, uh, Zach, what do you think of this match? Ooh, Eric Hammer. That dude scared the living hell out of me when I saw him at the press conference. I said, yeah, this dude's not to be fucked with. And lo and behold, he looked up to that moniker. I saw him fight with uh, Kratos, and for a good while of that match, he was actually dominating. And I said it. At that press conference to my friend Tracy, we were looking at each other like, yeah, he's on a whole lot of level. And lo and behold, I did not know this, but he was trained by uh, Barnett himself. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. They're main training partners. As a matter of fact, Hammer is a main training partner of Barnett. Uh, yeah, I saw them actually training, I think, before the press conference. And I said... Wow, this is going to be great. Mm. Now, I want to get your overall results spoke for themselves. And I believe that uh, Hammer, he's going to be something to be talked about if they keep on doing these blood sports, which I believe they will. Um, Now, was the first blood sport, I mean, the the blood sport show uh, earlier this year, Zach, was that your first time ever seeing J.R. Kratos wrestle? Yes. What was your impression? Impression of him when you saw him in this in his first match in, in that first match. I thought he he was very very good. I thought, wow, this guy kind of looks like Dave Bautista, but he actually can kick your ass for his size and weight. <laughs> Funny enough, we'll and be talking. Well, behold, he did, even though he lost to uh, Simon Grimm and eventually lost to Eric Hammer. Oh, sorry, Windows if. This brand really continues on, which, like I said before, I believe will happen. Mm-hmm. Kratos is going to be something to be talked about 
Mike Hammer. Zach, I'm sorry, I gotta correct you. Uh, he uh, uh, he won. He beat Simon Grimm. Remember, he did the uh, power bomb and the uh, jumping elbow. Oh wow! I forgot about that result. I'm sorry, Jay. I was crazy talking <laughs> you, actually. Let's today. No, I just remember. <laughs> I just remember that because when when that happened, like everybody, I was I was sitting on the stage, um, at that Bloodsport show, and every and like there were people around me who just were like mouths were like down to the ground. After that happened, they were just shocked that like it looked like Simon Grimm had been like murdered, right right in the middle of of two hundred in a ring in front of two hundred three hundred people. So that's why like people, I, I'll never forget that finish. Um, me too. I actually did remember that now that you told me. Yeah. I was actually there in the crowd. I remember my job being on the floor. I said, Grimm lost. Wow! I, I, a minute ago, GCW actually gave me shopping. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, but yeah, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, what, did you notice? Did you see that uh, Kratos had been busted open during this match? Uh, I believe it was yes. his nose. I noticed it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it was uh, really as we were starting to get towards the ending, and I noticed that his nose was both. Busted open. I think my fiance had kind of noticed it a little bit more than me because she was a little bit closer. Mm-hmm. So we were both looking at each other like, uh oh, we know who possibly is going to lose now. Mm-hmm. And one of the Emmer capitalized on that busted nose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, what do you, uh, what, so. Or your overall, and I know you gave a little bit but, uh, uh, of your thoughts on, on Eric Hammer, but like, is this a guy that, that you think can have or can get? Like have a a bigger run, like an indie run, or is he a guy that's good for blood sports? What are your What were your thoughts on him when the match was over overall? Eric Hammer has a whole. If they wanted to put this guy on the indies, if they wanted to put him on the indies, I would not be surprised if he was a champion or a dual champion somewhere. Mm-hmm. That the guy is pretty well factory. It is funny, and I hate to interrupt again. It's kind of my thing. But it is funny because I did say prior to the interview that we did, Andrew, with Eric Hammer, that if Eric Hammer ends up doing a, I mean, ends up doing a solid, ends up getting a damn good effort on this event, on this fight card, that indie promoters were going to take notice, I think it's going to be a matter of time I think it'll only be a matter of time before people start flying him out from Fullerton, California, just to be on their shows because of this effort. Hmm. But do you th- maybe he'll be maybe he'll be next year's PCO. Who knows? Shit. <laughs> you better believe that he might be next year's Pierre Carwillet. Um. But yeah, Eric Hammer, you you're you're not wrong in thinking that Eric Hammer is a monster. Uh, Zach, six foot six, two hundred pounds, something like that. Yeah. Well, six foot six, two hundred and sixty pounds. Oh, excuse well, me. Actually, no. He weighs more on the heavier side. But let's not let us not talk more about his weight because he probably might hear us. Yes. <laughs> I ain't saying shit. I'm saying that I think the guy is gonna actually get a good run if he actually gets on the Indies. I remember being at the press conference and he was taking a question from uh, Sanchez, Pinky Sanchez, 
And I swore to my friend Tracy that the response that he gave to Sanchez made me think, he's going to find Sanchez and something's going to happen at this show. Lo and behold, thank God I was wrong. <laughs> but it might happen down the line, so you may never know. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. That's one thing I'm scared for. Pinky Sanchez, he ain't no satisfying uh, imagination either, but the moment that uh, Hammer was telling them off, I said, yeah, we're going to get eventually these two fighting one on one. I don't know where, I don't know when. But holy shit, Hammer could kill. Well, Pinky Sanchez better. Uh... He better get an unlisted address now because now he's a marked man uh, for Eric Hammer. And that's not that's not exactly something to be proud of. So, but yeah, overall, I, the reason why I thought this was match at night was because, you know, it just this just seemed like a violent brawl. It had the feeling of just just two of just two men who were just beating the shit out of each other, you know, wanton violence. And it was just I just it felt so visceral. This match and the way that he that 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 uh, that uh, hammer gave that choke at the end, but you know, I don't know what Eric, you know, I know that Eric Hammer really only wrestled in Japan, but my God, he knows how to make something look like. I thought that that Ham, that Kratos's head was gonna pop off with that choke hold. It looked so goddamn painful, and I was just yeah, that this this for me was my personal match at night. Uh, uh, there really was no bad match, but I just, this is a match where I was just, where, as, uh, anybody who listens to Joe Lanza on The Voice of Wrestling, uh, this was the pacing in my, in my room match. <laughs> but come to think of it, did you think that J.R. Kratos' red, I mean, head was redder than a tomato? Well, that yeah, along with the blood, it certainly made him, made him seem more, uh, much more red. Um, mm-hmm. but hopefully, you know, uh. I think I agree with you. You know, I think he's definitely going to be a blood sport regular. I at least hope so. Or as long as Josh Barnett is there, he should definitely be a blood sport regular. Um, considering that this, this was his only second appearance in the East Coast, by the way, as well. Um, and not to mention his first pro wrestling appearance in the States. Uh, no, I was talking about Kratos, Christian. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. But, but yeah, you know, same, same thing with Eric Hammer. You know, hopefully he gets more stuff, you know, in the United States, and then we, uh, you know, Kratos gets more stuff on the East Coast, uh, besides Budsport. But, um, let's move on to the next match, and the next match was the last women's match on the card. It was Allison Kay, former Impact Wrestling's Allison Kay, uh, formerly known as Sienna as well, taking on the Queen of Suplexes, Nicole Savoy, both are veterans of the Mae Young Classic, though they were in separate uh, years, I believe. I don't think they, they fought at the same time. Um, Understood. And one of them, I mean, both of them, I think, are current world champions. Yep. Uh, I the NWA World Women's Champion, Nicole Savoy, the Shimmer, Shimmer World Champion. Yep. And actually, they both had a match in Shimmer this year uh, at Shimmer 111. Um... Shimmer Volume 111, it's the full title, where uh, Savoy tapped out K by uh, Armbar. And, um, oh, just to let you know, uh, Christian, as well, we both picked J.R. Kratos, and, and so we were both wrong with that. But with this one, you were right. Allison K defeated Nicole Savoy by knockout, and these were elbows from the crucifix. 
And if you need a visual reminder, if you remember when Gary Goodridge, forgot the opponent who he did it to, but Gary Goodridge uh, got that uh, opponent of his in the crucifix and just started bow, 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 elbows to the side of his head. Um, uh, do you remember the, who his opponent was, Christian? Um, to be honest, no. Let me go ahead and check because, of course, we love doing this crazy ass research on the fly. Yeah, I think also didn't didn't Matt Hughes also beat BJ Penn that way in their in one of their ma- I think in their first match I think it was. Didn't he get a Didn't he get a pen in the crucifix and started just wailing on him that way? I think. Um. Yeah, I think so. Obviously. Yeah. I uh, mean. Yeah, I mean, I think that was at UFC sixty three, right? Yes, I think it was the sixty. Oh, it was one. Of the, it was one of the uh, sing, uh, one of those sixties, I believe. Um, but yes, uh, uh, Zach, I'm gonna guess that you're probably familiar with these two uh, women wrestlers before this match happened. Is that correct? Oh yes, I am. Yes, I oh, am. And, uh, by the way, the by the way, the Gary Goodridge knockout that was to Paul Herrera. No, nah, Paul Harrell, that was it, yes. Uh, sorry, uh, Zach, go ahead. Uh, yes, you um, you knew these two women beforehand? Have you seen them in Impact or the Mae Young Classic or somewhere else? Okay, I'm more so familiar with uh, Nicole Savoy by way of Shimmer as she's their heavyweight champion. And she was uh, partners with... Uh, <laughs> who else? She was actually partners with... Shayna Baszler and Mercedes Martinez at one point in time. Oh wow! I didn't even knew that. Yes, she she was. She worked with Shayna. I mean, I did know that she worked with Shayna Baszler before her Baszler jumped to the WWE. Oh, okay. Oh, I knew that they knew each other. I didn't know that they actually ever worked together. That's how you're saying. I never knew that. And same thing with Mercedes Martinez. Um, Yeah, they were a team together. Which is funny. For is it not a time? I don't remember how long it was, but I know that when uh, Mercedes and uh, Shayna were in the main, uh, not the main, the May Young Classic, they actually did acknowledge that these two were friends. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Because okay. mm-hmm. of course, because of course, the herself, Shayna did work together, and obviously Shayna acknowledged that. Nicole Savoy was a badass because she was the only wrestler to go through a hellacious MMA training camp. Mm-hmm. Ah. Mm. Uh, but uh, so what? Yeah, what were your overall thoughts on this match, Zach? Okay, before we get to that, uh, I knew Sienna by way of Impact. Prior to that, mm. I knew her as part of the uh, Midwest Militia with Sassy Stephanie and uh, Just a Habit. In WSU, and she was actually one of the top females. So uncensored now, women's superstars united. Mm-hmm. Correct. Overall, this match, I felt it really was worthy of its slot on the show. I, like I said, wanted women's matches on Bloodsport for a long time, and I'm. Still shocked that Sumi Sakai versus uh, Snow didn't happen on the main card, but they needed to actually have a women's match on the preliminaries to see, okay, let's see how this is going to do and if it's going to attract any people. Both women 
came with their A game. And in the end, it was AK that got the KO. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, I'll say this. I, I didn't dislike this match, but this was probably my least favorite match on the card. It was a very pro wrestling e match. Like, it, it was as if two pro wrestlers were trying to do MMA style, but they had only watched MMA and thought that may, th this is what how you incorporate into an MMA match or into a pro wrestling match. It, se it just seemed very, very, very pro wrestler e. Like it was, it seemed to have that just that that pro wrestling flow to it. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I could tell that a little bit. But both women actually do have a little bit of a background in it. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, Sienna, she actually had a, an MMA or a boxing style match, and it was headline news that she got busted up from it, but but actually came way back and won it. Yep. Yep. It was her one and only mixed martial arts fight. Um, and uh, Nicole Savoy, you know, she she changed. I think she's trained with Barnett uh, and all and and that catch wrestling little group that's in California. But you know, if you know, I feel like you know, I think they were pro wrestlers before they they started going into martial arts. So I feel like that's why this was kind of more of a pro wrestling type match. Um, it was also the first match, I think, to go outside. I think they were in a submission, and they rolled outside, um, uh, brought, brought outside, and then uh, every time, oh, every time they brought, uh, uh, someone went outside, the referee did a, a 10 count. It was, this wasn't bullshit WWE 10 count. The referee counted, like, normally. So, I like that. I like that as well. Um, uh, so like I said, I, I didn't think it was a bad match, but it was definitely, it definitely felt the most, it was definitely the least blood sportish match on the card, uh, in my eyes. So, you know, you know, I would say, you know, if I were to give it a star rating, I would say a gentleman's three because the work, it was great. It was great work from both of them. But in terms of what other matches were doing, I just felt that, you know, I don't think it, 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 it went up to that level. Um, though I did like the finish. I did like the crucifix elbow finish. Um, I question for you, Zach, uh, and also Christian. Do you think that? Uh, well, first, you, Zach. Will we? Do you think that these two will have another, a third match, rubber match down the line at some point? Uh, well, I don't believe so. They both brought the A game as as far as I was concerned. But one thing that threw me off about the match, as you touched on, was the ten count. I said, "This is not what I remember the blood sport." Damn it. Well, because, yeah, but the... not what I remember. Yeah, remember the first Bloodsport show in April? I think that they allowed people to fight on the outside, but the, uh, to obviously get a win, you had to go back on the inside of the ring. But in this one, yeah. this one, they, it was, it seemed to be, once you go outside, immediate 10 count, and you have to get your ass back in. Um, so it seems like they changed that rule up from the last show. Um, do, uh, do you prefer that, or do you... Would you rather see them? Would you rather that they can go outside, but the match can't be ended on the outside? Well, I love just being like no count. You don't necessarily have to have it rolling all around the arena. That's what the prototypical GCW matches that you would see. But 
with Bloodsport, keep it around the ringside area. Don't have this tank out of bullshit. Let them roll around the ringside area. Bring it back into the ring for a clear cut winner. This is what I was advertising to my fiance, and she pointed it out that there was a quite heavy brawling, so it was more so contained. Yeah, I think that's the one thing I have to say that I my one slight criticism of the busboard shows. I want them to have unified, so some sort of like just unified clear cut rules that they're just going to stick to throughout the uh, throughout their existence. You know, I don't want them to be like Evolve, where one moment they're they're counting wins and losses, and then suddenly a few months later, oh, wins and losses don't matter anymore. We're not going to track those anymore. I want there to be some sort of consistency with with Bloodsport, especially now with Barnett and, you know, how much he takes wrestling so seriously. I'm hoping that they kind of just, you know, I hope with the next Bloodsport show we get a, we get a definitive, okay, they're allowed, either allowed outside or they're not allowed outside. They just choose one or the other. Um, oh, also, uh, as Zach, as you may know, they were get for the matches, they were giving tales of the tape uh, for the uh, wrestlers. <laughs> I don't know if you, if you. Yes, I saw that after I got home. Um, yeah, Christian, uh, if you get a chance to watch it, you'll, you'll be happy to see that they gave Tales of the Tape, weight, ages, uh, where they're from, and the height of the, uh, competitors. Um. Yeah, I basically seen that in the pre-show and realized that Sumi Sakai was the oldest of the competitors that night. Yep, 47. Um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe... But as far as my... As far as my prediction on if there will be a third match between yeah. these two, Nicole Savoy said it herself. She would love nothing more but to be the NWA World Women's Champion, a title of which that Allison K currently has. So when the NWA starts doing tapings later this month, early next month, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Allison K ends up defended her title against Nicole Savoy in that rubber match. But as far as blood goes, I wouldn't mind seeing Allison K score off of Sumi Sakai after what happened oh, Saturday night. That's a good match. That's a good that's a great match. That that's that that's actually like that's like like a Oh god, that's that's like universe brain level exploit. I I didn't even think of that till now, Christian. And now like I'm oh, I really want to see that match now. Um, we'll talk a little bit. I, want... I mean, I think wouldn't be surprised if Lindsay Snow versus Nicole's boy happens. Yeah. You know? Well, a little bit later, I definitely want to talk, do more, uh, I guess, dream matches or dream people we want to see in, uh, in Bloodsport. But we'll save that to the end, because I think that'll be a little fun discussion. Um. Okay. But the... Shall we continue, though? Yep. And the next match was a match that I'm sure that a lot of people were, they were just they could not wrap their heads around when this match was announced. And exactly, exactly. With and this match was Anthony Corelli, formerly known as WWE's Santino Morella, taking on Simon Grimm, also formerly known as WWE's Simon Gotch. And so, well, first thing I'm going to ask you, Zach, when you heard that this match was was happening. What went through your head, Anthony Corelli, formerly this comedy wrestler in WWE, who was once the WWE Divas Champion, taking on Simon, Simon Grimm, also kind of a comedy guy, 
in uh, WWE, uh, and who's basically was whole thing was like I'm a strong man from the 1900s type thing, and but these two are going to have a blood sport match. What went through your head when you heard this match? It was happening. Holy shit! This is actually happening. We got the former Santino Morella versus the former uh, Simon Gotch. Yeah. I was not like totally against it. I was just in awe overall of who they were, but I understood their background, so I was very curious to see what would happen. And that press conference on Friday night, that made it even more important and better to me. They were not there to be these characters. They were there to be violent, to actually be nasty. And at the end of the day, you had to get the win, and both of them won very, very badly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, Christian, did you happen to see that, that? Did you watch a press conference? That they had on a Friday night for the Bloodsport show. Sadly, I did not. Well, but he, I heard about it. Anthony Corelli cut this, this really this um, I'm not gonna say emotional, but this really like passionate promo that just like well, first of all, you know, here's the funny thing as well. I'm so used to hearing him with that stupid Italian accent that I had to just I had to click my head that he does not talk like that in real life. That is a play-on accent. That is a character that he's playing. So just hearing Anthony Corelli speak was like... it was, That already, like, just... That was already, like, part one that blew my mind. But then when he, he apologizes for being late, but then he talks about how, like, this match is so important, you know, that this is not... You know, that, that, that he's going 30, 30 years as a judo black belt, and that this is, like... One of his, one of the few times he's going to be able to show what type of rest. I just thought, you know, if this, if you were looking forward to this match before you saw that promo, I have to believe that when that, after he, after he talked that, gave that promo, I don't see how anybody could have been wanting to see, the, not wanting to see this match. I thought this match, you know, just like, honestly, the, both of them, and also Simon Grimm's as well, his, his promo as well was good, but I think that Corelli just was just, it just—it's only the people who you least expect it when they do something that just that just blows you away. I think it's just much. It just like you still can't comprehend how great they are and what they just did. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, just to give well the result of the match, Anthony Corelli defeated Simon Grimm by submission, arm an armbar submission, and oh, this match was was. Awesome to watch. Uh, but uh, before I give my thoughts, I want Zach. What did you think of this match after it was all said and done? I literally had to use the bathroom in the opening few minutes of the match, so apologies ah. uh, to uh, the athletes. But that nature calls, nature calls. Yeah. When I came back, it was everything I wanted and more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Corelli was holding his own. Grimm was doing great. And in the end, like you said, Corelli got the win, and that's who I wanted to win. But I did not want Simon Grimm by any means to look like a jabron either. Mm-hmm. Thank you, GCW, for giving me what I wanted. Question. Uh, maybe you can answer this. Simon Grimm was really the only guy that was booed on this, on this show. And I'll be honest, my interpretation was that those teams like we legitimately do not like you, booze. Like, 
Like, he did something wrong or said something bad recently. And so I'm just curious to know, like, well, do you know why he was getting that reception? Considering that mostly everybody there got such a positive reception. Oh, yeah. He was the guy that I was getting the main booze of the night. I would say uh, come across to some degree later on would catch maybe, like, the second biggest heat of the night for what happens when we get to that point. But overall, like, the number one villain on that show, by way of reaction, was Grim. Mm -hmm. I don't know what happened. I'm guessing uh, maybe his uh, ties to the country unit in MLW or take away that. Maybe something that he said from the the press conference. Otherwise than that, I really got no clue why he got booed out of the building. Hmm. Because every time he would do a move, the audience would just be like, it sounded like, we, we hate you, booze. And it was like, it, it, you know, I'm very, I, I guess I'm, I feel like I can tell when somebody, like, you know, when Jay White gets booed, those are, we're booing you because you're the heel booze. <laughs> Same thing with Kenta. But like, Simon, those weren't like, you're a heel. First of all, he wasn't even being heel. So it would make no sense for him to get heel booze, and he was doing nothing to sort of to imply that he was being a heel, but it seems like, it don't just seem like, you know, he did something wrong on Twitter booze or something like that. It's, it just seemed, yeah, so I, I don't know, you know, I, 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 the press conference, I don't know if he, I don't know what he did during the press conference. He, I know he talked about, like, maybe it was, the, I don't know if it was even the MLW stuff. I feel like that wouldn't have, like, the proper crossover, um... For for I feel like those wouldn't have the same crossover audience, um, for uh, to get that type of reaction. I just thought it was, yeah, I just thought it was just like really strange um, that, that of the reaction he got. But uh, Corelli, he got a hero's reception. Um, it was yeah, he got it, it, he was nobody get no, you could Santino was non-existent to everybody here. Anthony Corelli was the only person that existed in this match. And, um, yeah, by, by the way, just want to say, you know, I hope we see Corelli more in, in stuff like this, where he gets to utilize judo submissions because he's so goddamn good at it. He's so freaking... He's so good. It's unfortunate that he has those injuries, though, that, like, probably prevent him from doing matches, more maybe that are more matches... Uh, than he maybe would like to, but you know, for what he did here, it was absolutely great overall. Um, definitely, my you know, in a way, in a way, and again, hate to interrupt, but in a way, the way that Anthony Corelli probably did that promo might have gotten the fans interested, might have gotten asses in the seats, might have gotten people, you know, wanting to give him that hero's welcome, and I'm. Not surprised that the fans out in Atlantic City gave Simon Grimm the reception that they did, probably because they've been up on their MLW television as of late. Mm -hmm. But still, Anthony Corelli, I mean, obviously, wouldn't y'all say the match was good enough for him to warrant a return? Absolutely. Definitely. Um... I mean, because in a way... This is not a W... I mean, obviously, that match Saturday night 
was not a WWE match. I said in the review, Andrew, that if this was a WWE match, it'd be a throwaway match because I wouldn't bother giving a shit about it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, people enjoyed it. And the fact that people enjoyed it made it a hell of a lot different from what it would have been if it was in the Big Fed Stanford. It's also funny that literally the week before, uh, Corelli did a match in DDT totally the opposite of this. So he's a very versatile, he can, he's a, you know, I don't mind it when he, he does the comedy stuff, but I will be honest, if he were to stop doing the comedy stuff and do more matches like this, I would totally welcome it. Um, que- uh, question, Zach, for you. Do you think we'll get to see uh, Corelli on another Bloodsport show, or do you think, do you think he's maybe going to, He's just going to be training people at the Battle Arts Academy in Canada. Huh. Why not do both? I mean, if anything, even though even though he's currently dealing with Noah actually, even though he's been healed from his injuries since leaving the Big Fat in Stanford, and he's been healed pretty much from, you know, having to worry about having to walk with a limp, even though he probably still does walk with a limp, but still, I wouldn't mind seeing him, you know, do wrestling matches in the States, obviously working light because of those injuries, and then going back up to Canada and training the stars of tomorrow. Your thoughts, Zach? I think it might have been a one-off. Yeah, sure, it was a great reception for him, and there was no sign of Santino Morella, folks. If you really haven't watched this show, go in by Anthony Corelli is himself. He's actually fighting grim to, to nail without no comedy gimmick attached, just like Josh Barnett said throughout the night. There's no gimmicks here. It's... Completely people fighting as themselves or really close to it. Um, yeah, uh, it, from the way that, the, I don't know, the way that he exited the ring, the way that the match kind of ended, I don't know, it kind of almost felt that it was almost a one-off. Or that, it, you know, this may have been like his one time doing this. I don't know, that's the impression that I got initially. Could be wrong, though. Um, I agree. Uh, but, yeah. But I'm to think of it. If this was, I mean, would you say if this was his only match, Bloodsport, did it interest you to see him, I mean, did it upset you to see him go, but it enjoy? I mean, but it interest you to see him, you know, compete more of a style like that? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Absolutely, I would love to see him do this more. Uh, Zach, what about you? You want to see, uh, if it's Santi, uh, sorry, Anthony Corelli wants to do more of this, uh, Hey, match, would you definitely welcome it? I definitely welcome it with open arms. As long as he doesn't do the little jiggy jig that Santino does or try to tug that fake accent. <laughs> ah. With that, we're going to move on to the next match. And this was a doozy of a match. We got Ikohisa Minowa. A.K.A. Minowa Man, a world famous MMA fighter with almost with over 100 fights, which is absolutely insane. Uh, taking on Timothy Thatcher, former Evolve World Champion, and has wrestled also for Dragon Gate, 
And yeah, he's one of the few guys who was doing catch wrestling when people were doing dives and flips and all that stuff. Uh, he was he was doing more ground based wrestling uh, when it wasn't as popular. I guess I like to say, but uh, so much so that he left Sacramento, California. He left the state of California and the United States in general to go live and train in Germany and team up alongside Volta, who is now in NXT UK. Uh, yes, Catchpoint, I think that group is the group name, right? No, actually, it was Ring Comp. Ring Comp, that's it, Ring Comp, okay. But, um, yeah, uh, the result of this match, and uh, Christian, I don't know if you saw the results, but unfortunately, we both take L's on this. Timothy Thatcher defeated Minowa Man by neck crank submission. Uh, that, I mean, to be honest, that sucked, but hey, even we've seen this coming. Ah, yes. Um, but, uh, Minowa Man wore the famous red trunks, and he did, he did a, a dropkick right at the beginning of the match, which is something that he would do a lot in his MMA matches. I think the only guy who's ever done a dropkick in an MMA match, as far as I can remember. Um, but Zach, I want to throw it to you. What do you think of this match between Minowa Man and Timothy Thatcher? And before before the match, obviously he came out to that One Minute in Heaven song and the crowd was apoplectic. Oh, yes. We talked about that entrance of his. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, actually, yeah, Zach, just talk about the entrance and uh, the, the match, what you thought overall. Manoa, man, I've never seen him live. This was my very first taste of him. He almost was like a... MMA superhero. I said, okay, let's see what else he can do besides be somewhat flashy. He actually held his own. He showed why he's an actual veteran of the MMA game. Mm-hmm. And I was hooked on him. I said, yeah, this is going to be even more better. Tim Thatcher, he keeps on showing why people were saying at that last Bloodsport that he should be signed somewhere. Some people were saying, oh, sign on Regal when we were both at uh, Bloodsport 2. And I did not notice that William Regal was in the crowd until somebody put in him upward. I said, oh, okay, William Regal is here. With the, the evil overlord. The evil overlord, William Regal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, actually, Zach, I want to ask, were you a... Th- I- Timothy Thatcher, I feel like at one point, maybe not so much now, but I guess when he was Evolved Champion, I feel like he has. there are people who love him and hate him. It's kind of like a Zack Sabre Jr. thing, where there's people who love the way that he wrestles, and then there's people who absolutely despise it. And I just want to know, like, what are your thoughts on Timothy Thatcher? Were you one of those people who loved him when, you, when he started coming up? Were you in the middle? Or, like, what were your thoughts on him when you first, when he started becoming a name around the indie scene? When I first started hearing of Thatcher, and especially uh, two days ago when we were at, when I was at the show, excuse me, with my fiance, I thought Thatcher was so good. He's like Zack Sabre. He's like Daniel Bryan. He's in that class of guys that seem kind of skinny, but when you actually put him in a ring, they'll make you go, holy shit, this dude is for real. 
I was in awe of Tim Thatcher. He still is awesome to me. So I will welcome him with the open arms. What do you think about the people who don't like that style? Or like, what do you think? Oh, I mean, I know there's a, a that style a lot of people don't like. And to this day, I still hear people uh, shit on people like Zack Sabre Jr. and Timothy Thatcher saying that just, you know, it's a boring and that's not exciting. Um, I guess, uh, how would you respond to that if somebody told you that? Okay, for people that don't like the Zack Sabres or the Tim Thatchers, I kind of see where they're coming from. But if they like Daniel Bryan or William Regal, they're kind of hypocrites in a sense because those two guys, Regal and Daniel Bryan, they're from that same cloth mm -hmm. where they're really straight up wrestlers who wrestle plus do submission moves and wear the classic trunks. They're not like guys as the New Day who dress multi-flashy <laughs> just for the sake of it. These dudes are straight up what they are. And if you don't like it, that's your prerogative. Mm. Uh -huh. And what what and uh I have to also suggest if you ever get a chance, if you ever have some free time, watch some of Minowa Man's MMA matches where he takes on guys that are hundred pounds, ninety pounds heavier than him. He basically made a career out of beating guys that were bigger than him. Uh and I'm not talking like but, hey, he even beat Butterbean. Oh, yes, and that, too. Butterbean as well, yeah. Um, but, uh, so, oh, so, yes, um, uh, uh, what your thoughts on the match, uh, Zach, when it ended? Okay, the match, as it happened, it went really well. I thought Manoa Man showed why he was a legend, and Tim Datcher, he's kind of what I'm christening the uh, next style of Daniel Bryanism, if you want to call it that, mm -hmm. where he is the skinny guy that everybody thinks by way of look is not made for a WWE or an Impact or a Ring of Honor. However, his style will make you go, holy shit, I was wrong. I apologize, Mr. Thatcher or mm -hmm. Mr. Bryan or whoever fits in that same style of class. Um... So, uh, question, is Thatcher missing some teeth? Because I, 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 when I was watching it, I, I, when he took out his mouthpiece, I think, I think I saw he was missing some front teeth. Do you know if he is, or was my mind just playing tricks on me? Sorry about that. For once, I had internet problems. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Let's go ahead and continue. Yes. For many, people think that it was... In no, nah, what am I saying? For many, people think that this was Manoa Man's U.S. debut when in actuality they were wrong. This, is, this was Manoa Man's first fight in the United States since January of 2012 when he lost via unanimous decision to Kendall the Spider Grove 
at a pro elite event out in Hawaii. But this was his first time competing in the mainland U.S. or anything. I mean, like the continental 48 states. Not the two that are separated by countries and islands and stuff. Oh, actually, that reminds me. Um, and so during the press conference, they actually took a, they did a Q&A. And uh, they did a, uh, you could ask a question through the face, GCW Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Uh, I did ask Minowa a question. And it was, how does it feel having your first wrestling match in the United States? And he kept it short and simple. He said, Sigoy, which means awesome. So. And did he have an interpreter at the red? Oh, yeah, Sumi Sakai. Sumi Sakai. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Wow, of course, because, I mean, we were trying to get an interview with Sumi Sakai for our podcast. But she was pretty busy, even though she is now, I guess, comfortable doing interviews in English because of how long she's been in the States. Mm. Um, I mean, she's been living in the U.S. for 17 years at this point, so I guess it is true that she is comfortable giving interviews in English. But still, to many people, this was their first time seeing Ibuisa Minoa, a.k.a. Minoa Man, but I think that... GCW is smart. GCW is smart. They would continue. They would get a chance to book him more for these events. I hope so, yeah. Um, And as far as Timothy Thatcher goes, I really hope he ain't found for the big bet in Stanford because I think he can do more with stuff like this. mm -hmm. Um, I mean, especially after him getting the win and then after the win... Basically, you know, leaving first and letting Manoa Man bask in the glow of the fans, the admiration of the fans. I think that we need more stand-up guys like that, not only in professional wrestling, but in professional sports. Question. Maybe maybe we get uh, for Joey Janela's spring break next year. Joey Janela versus Manoa Man. Oh, hell no. Are you kidding me? No. Joey Janela will get twisted like a pretzel. It'll still be fun to watch. It'll still be fun to watch. I would still I would still pay to see that. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be watch, but you're gonna see another grown man get twisted and spun around like a pretzel. I'm fine with that. <laughs> I have no problem with that. Um and speaking of uh Getting twisted like a pretzel, we should talk about the next next match, which um, I think, uh, Zach, you said that this was your match of the night. Um, we have Davey Boy Smith Jr., formerly of New Japan, Pro Wrestling, and WWE, now of MLW, taking on also a, for, a fellow MLW wrestler, former UFC fighter, Tom Waller, filthy Tom Waller. And Davy Boy Smith Jr. defeated Tom Waller by knockout with a powerbomb. Of all things, a powerbomb. So, with that, Zach, I think this might be your match of the night. I'm going to throw it over to you to tell us what you thought about it. Ooh. This was exactly my match of the night. I really thought it was explosive from start to finish. These two were trading blows, and the crowd was very into it. We were 
kind of like duo for Davy Boy. Some of us were for Tom Lawler. Me, I was just sitting back in awe of both of them. When Tom Lawler came out, I was dying laughing. I'm going to be honest. When he came out for his entrance, I said, what, this dude's coming out to new kids on the block? <laughs> and dancing? <laughs> Did he really come out to new kids on the block? Did he really bring back the early 90s with that? <laughs> no, not that, uh, that Don't Talk song, that, uh, Stand Tall from, like, the late 80s. I said, what? Oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> filthy talk. And the fact that some people knew that song in the crowd, especially Buck Rowers, I was just in awe. But he took all that shit aside and it took it to Davey Boy the best way he could. And no wonder MLW made him his world champ for a while. Um, I think up until that point, uh, Zach, I wonder if you could provide uh, uh, facts on this. I would say up until this point, Tom Waller probably got the biggest reception uh, out of all the wrestlers. Would you agree? Oh, I would believe so. It's definitely like top five. I would say that wholeheartedly, especially when he came out dancing. Now, what do you? Th- what? I, I, I want uh, no. How do you think Tom Waller has transitioned from MMA to pro wrestling? I know he's not officially retired from MMA. But he's definitely more of a pro wrestler now. And, yeah, how do you think he's done, been as a pro wrestler for the last, I think, probably, I think he's been wrestling for two years, uh, full-on, maybe? How do you think he's been doing? Filthy Tom is one of the best guys on the wrestling circuit, bar none. I really thought that he was just an MMA fighter, but when it comes to this wrestling thing, he's, like, in the same class as... Brock Lesnar and Shayna Baszler. He mm. actually took this thing and made it into his own brand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God bless Tom Lawler. He's real quick. Mm-hmm. Oh, just to give some uh, some a little bit of background, uh, Bloodsport background on, on these two. Davy Boy Smith one and zero with a submission win over Killer Cross from Barnett's uh, first Bloodsport show, and Tom Lawler uh, now zero and two. In Bloodsport, his first loss being to Walter at Matt Riddle's Bloodsport, uh, where he went into that match with a legit broken hands. So, uh, yeah, unfortunately, he has an under 500 record in Bloodsport, but is one of the best guys to watch in Bloodsport nonetheless. And um, what did you think of that powerbomb that ended the match? I was front row when I saw it happen, and I was almost scared as hell. For filthy Tom. I thought that he was not only knocked out, but probably would have got concussed very, very hard from it. Mm-hmm. It almost felt more like a pile driver than like a traditional powerbomb to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But to Tom's credit, he got back up in the end. Um, one of the things I also liked was that and, you know, uh, you and I, Christian, we kind of said that this match was going to probably go that route, uh, was that it was going to be a lot on the ground grappling submission stuff. And I really, I like the fact that even though it started out with, with so much submission stuff, 
but ends in a knockout. I love that contrast uh, because you kind of thought, oh, someone's going to get a submission win in this match because they're going through so many submissions. But no, instead it was a powerbomb. And it it really, I think it caught everybody off guard that that match was going to end that way. Uh, at least in my at least in my eyes. I mean, in a way, it caught a lot of people off guard because you were. I mean, with this match, with this contest, you were expecting people to take home a limb, not take home a body. <laughs> mm. Um. So, but uh, do you think these two are going to are going to continue? I don't know. If this will be the crux of a feud in in MLW. But do you think we'll see these two feud at some point in MLW uh, down the line? Potentially, they probably will. Because it wouldn't make sense for them not to compete in the MLW after that against each other. Mm. But as far as Bloodsport goes, if we can get a few more matches like that, I think we'd be good. <laughs> Curious to know, who do you think would be, uh, Zach, who would you like to see uh, Davey Boy Smith or Tom Waller face next? Okay, if I was actually a part of the GCW booking committee and these guys were available, I would say for Davey Boy Smith Jr., his former senpai, uh, Suzuki. Hmm. Class of Suzuki. Oh, I was kind of hoping for that going into this one, but sad to say, Dear Murder Dad had to stay in Japan to uh, get his feud with Lager back on track. As far as Filthy Tom is concerned, okay. I was part of GCW's booking committee for Bloodsport. The biggest name that I could see and it kind of was hinted on Twitter because I actually was throwing this idea for Killer Cross. Ken Shamrock. Oh! And you know what? That would make sense. That would definitely make sense because Filthy Tom Lawler faced off against Dan to be stubborn before. I mean, why wouldn't they make a match between... Lawler and Ken Shamrock. Hmm. As I said, I actually was teasing two people for Kelly Cross once this uh, John Moxley situation happened. I said either Ken Shamrock or Nick Gage to fight Kelly Cross, and I wound up getting Gage, so I was kind of correct. Mm -hmm. But Barnett, he was actually talking to Shamrock. And Shamrock actually did respond to me originally. He said that uh, GCW was uh, blessed that they didn't call him because more for a better lack of term, he was going to fuck up uh, Killer Cross. Mm. If I could actually say that completely clear. Mm. And I remember being in the door. I said, Ken Shamrock just spoke to me. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like a little fangirl. When they see their favorite guy walk into the club, like, ah! <laughs> but shit aside, Ken Shamrock, even Barnett said it, is welcome to Bloodsport. It's just now a matter of how to get him there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Well, we'll have to wait and see because he's uh, putting on some uh, bare knuckle show uh, very, very soon. So perhaps after that, he's going to be interested in a feud and a potential match with Quinn Moose Ojanaka, the former NFL offensive lineman who's now one of the stars of Impact Wrestling. Ah, yes. Oh, I forgot about that. They announced it already that that Moose is going to face Shamrock at Bound for Glory next month. Mm-hmm. In the Chicagoland area. Mm. So perhaps we, you know, come December, you know, when uh, Bloodsport three happens, you know, hopefully we could. Uh, that that's my prediction is that we're gonna get Bloodsport three in December. I think. Uh, maybe. Really? That, I come to think of it, if the event ain't gonna happen in December, I mean, would it happen in April of twenty twenty? I think they're gonna do it much sooner because. Um, I, I want to kind of I I don't want to say who it was, but a wrestler that we did try to interview, uh, basically said we should talk to you know he he uh he or she was too bit like just tired like just like exhausted from all the interviews they gave, so they they said uh to you know we should uh, contact them in December, and also if you look on GCW's um, uh calendar they have two shows for December I forgot which days but as to be announced and so. I think I'm put. I think you could put two and two together. That there'll probably uh, be um, a blood sports show on those days. That's uh, I, that's. Hopefully, hopefully, those weekends in December won't be Christmas or New Year's. Yeah. Huh. Well, I was just about to say. I hope it's actually during Christmas week because I got off from work that time. Oh yes. Oh, what better way to enjoy to enjoy your Christmas off than with some blood sport? <laughs> oh my God! If they announced that the December date was like the day after Christmas or sometime before New Year's, I probably shit my pants. <laughs> but um, I mean, come to think, if it were to happen like after New Year's, because of course Christmas and New Year's fall on Wednesdays this year. I mean, oh. if it were the first weekend in January of 2020, I wouldn't be surprised, but I would definitely be happy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's Russell Kingdom territory right there. I don't want to be crying tears of joy. <laughs> uh, yeah, but then again, then again, the event would happen that evening, whereas Russell King, whereas those back-to-back Russell Kingdom days would happen on back-to-back mornings here in the states. Mm-hmm. Mm, good point. But uh, yeah, you know, like you said, this was your match of night. It was actually a lot of people's match of the night. I have no. I just had a different opinion. Just my, I thought a different match was, but nonetheless, I still thought this was a very awesome match. Um, that on the card, uh, and I'm definitely sure that that DBS Junior and uh, Tom Wall are gonna be uh, Bloodsport regulars. Uh, they actually kind of are anyway. Um, they're, we're gonna we're, we're gonna be seeing them on uh, on the future Bloodsport shows when they happen. And uh, oh, you want to hear something kind of funny? Hmm? I actually heard people say that this is pretty much Davy Boy Smith's uh, brand because he's actually owned the last two shows, like by way of match of the night. Mm. Was talking about this with uh, JPQ from Brainbuster Radio, and we're in agreement about that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh yeah, maybe maybe he could be the face the face of Bloodsport. I mean, obviously, other than Josh Barnett. Um, yeah, the, this could definitely be his brand along with MLW, presuming that MLW, I'm, I'm going to assume is going to push him 
to the moon at some point. Um, down the line. Uh, but, but with that, let's move on to the next match. And this was certainly the most interesting match, I'll say, uh, when it was first announced. We have Killer Cross. Now, you're talking about the co-main event of the evening, right? Yes, yes. And that, yes. Co- that co-main event was not with Impact, with Impact. I have no idea at this point. Killer Cross taking on Nick motherfucking Gage of MDK. Uh, and All day. Yeah. Get it right. Get it right. And uh, Killer Cross defeated Nick Gage by technical submission. And I say technical because Gage did not submit. It was through a rear naked choke. And he passed out. Basically... Uh, what Misha Tate did the Holly Holm in their match. Uh, so, basically, yeah. So, this was the most, I think, unique match. I guess you could say any match with Nick Gage is unique because you just never know what is going to happen when Nick Gage gets into a ring, for better or for worse, I'll say. Um, and when Nick Gage came out, the reception he got... Yeah, well, Zach, you tell us. You were there. Tell us about the reception that he got. Whoa. If you actually were fans of The Rock in the like late 90s, early 2000s, you remember the style of pops he would get? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yes. Take that, Take that on an indie level. That's Nick Gage. It's like Okada coming out in the States. This guy is over. He's one of the top five to ten most over wrestlers, period. He can do no wrong. It's like Minoru Suzuki to some degree or another if he was an American man. Mm. Nick Gage is a fucking man in GCW, bar none, period. We were fans. No, people probably respect him more because he has a rap sheet longer than a longer than the height of an entire Great Dane, so to speak. <laughs> uh, were you a fan of Gage before his um? I'll say his running with the law, Zach. Yes, I was. I knew of him by way of his time in G- uh, CZW. Um. Oh, yeah, should we also mention that, that Gage right now is currently the GCW uh, champion right now as well. Uh, so Killer Cross does have a win over the GCW champion. Um, now, what were you expecting when this match happened, given that it's a Nick Gage match? What, what did you think was going to happen during this match? Well, I've been a Nick Gage fan pretty much since 2008. And he happens to be one of the top brawlers in the general industry of pro wrestling. People were thinking maybe, oh, Gage is going to just get out the light tubes, the chairs, and all this other shit. He could hold his own in an actual snug fest, and he actually did. People don't remember this, but he was actually in the very first blood sport event mm-hmm. when Matt Riddle was running it. I remember seeing Gage, and I said, yeah, he's definitely not just a garbage wrestler, as some people would say. 
the guy was holding his own with these guys, the crosses and uh, whoever his opponent was for the original. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and I was thinking that Killer Cross would probably get the win, but I wouldn't have complained if uh, Gage got the win. But lo and behold, Cross somehow, some way, knocked out the heavyweight champion of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, will this set up for a future championship match between the two? It seems like it. But uh, that is up to uh, Brett Lauderdale and the other powers that be at GCW. I think, you know, while the match was noteworthy and it was a, it was a good, great match, um, I think what's more noteworthy is what happened after the match. Uh, Killer uh, here we go. Killer Cross got on the microphone and called out Dave Padista for a match at Blood Sports. Oh, now come on. You didn't mention the fact that before that, Nick Gage just tossed the referee off the ring. Not out of the ring because there wasn't any ropes, but off the ring. Uh, yeah, but, you know, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, they, 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 he disagreed with the referee's decision, um, that he, that he tapped out, no, no, that he, uh, that he was knocked out, uh, with that submission, so, but nonetheless, um, I think that, I think, you know, so, Dave Batista versus Killer Cross, will the people who, who run GCW, who've managed to get Great Sazuke, who've managed to get Minowa man who managed to get all these all these names that you just don't expect. Do you think Zach we're gonna get Killer Cross versus Dave Batista at some point in a blood sport show? Oh uh, uh, Dave Batista really is serious about uh, being something like a MMA fighter. Killer Cross is practically one of the top guys in the pro wrestling industry with that style of fight. So I could see Big Dave possibly accepting the challenge somewhere down the line. Now, where will it take place is the question. Say that uh, Bloodsport 3 Barnett style actually happens in December. I don't know if it's going to take place there per se. I would probably think that if Bloodsport happens during WrestleMania weekend, that's going to be the bigger place to get that oomph or draw. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Because whether people go when WrestleMania is in town, practically where WWE is. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. It, it would make, I mean, it'd be ballsier to them to do it on a non-WrestleMania show, but I would uh-huh. not be surprised if they did it during a WrestleMania show. I would, I would be more expecting that. Um... But uh, you know, you know, here's the thing also as well. I don't know if you if you follow Batista's, you know, Batista's been very critical of WWE in uh in interviews. I don't know. It sounds like it sounds like he just has one last match with Triple H that was pretty not good. I'll be generous. Um, and um, it sounded like that was gonna probably be his or at least that seemed to be his last match because he basically just said, you know, I'm done with this. You know, next day. And he's gonna just you know continue being doing Guardians movies or whatever other movies that he's doing. And actually, I, I'll, just a little, a little off topic. I think he's actually eclipsed the Rock in terms of acting. I think he's actually a much better actor than the Rock. 
Um, <laughs> I agree. But him. in a way, Andrew, in a way, I think that if the WWE doesn't try and do their damnedest to blockade, you know, the animal from competing, I mean, I think it would be pretty damn sweet to see them face off against Killer Cross at a blood sport like event. But you have to remember, this ain't the same Dave Batista who was being a bouncer at strip clubs in Washington, D.C. back in the day. This is Dave Batista, now international movie star, who is basically on these acclaimed films. He's basically getting box office success. So if Batista ends up competing on this blood, I mean, on any future Bloodsport card against Killer Cross, you're going to be subjected to cameras and media and basically all types of people, you know, only giving a damn about Batista. And it might kind of kill the reputation, kill the vibe, so to speak, of not only Bloodsport, but Game Changer Wrestling, formerly Jersey, formerly Jersey Championship Wrestling in general. Hmm. So you, it sounds like you kind of don't want them to do this. It got, you think it might, it'll be like a Floyd, doing the Floyd Mayweather Ryzen thing that's only good for the for the short term, but not the long term. Is that what you're saying, Christian? Yeah, basically. Yeah, that's basically what I mean because, and I said this in my interview with Damien Beatdown Brown, which is going to be released this week. But you don't need no 50 cameramen. You don't need no 50 guys around you. Because at the end of the day, it's going to be you and your opponent. And your opponent's going to look to do everything to knock your fucking head off. Mm-hmm. And I think that if, you know, if Batista ends up facing Kevin Cross, yeah, that'll be sweet. That'll be interesting. That'll be, you know, the bee's knees, as they used to say back in the day. But you're also going to have to deal with the extra distractions like the camera people and the folks who actually are there for you know just one guy rather than the entire core of events and they're only going to be focused on Batista they're not going to be focused on the show they're going to be focused on Batista and maybe focused a little bit on Kevin Cross but other than that it would be distracted and I think it would be a waste of everybody's time, just like that Floyd Mayweather tension Nasakawa about was last New Year's Eve. Hmm. Uh, well, uh, Zach, it sounds like you would welcome the match. Do you want to just give your thoughts why you think it would be uh, something that GCW should do? Hmm. Killer Cross versus Dave Batista. For anybody that's out there, we all know that Killer Cross, by way of certain contractual obligations, has been going through a rough time. And before he even mentioned Batista, what was the chant that was in the air? Free Killer Cross. Free Killer Cross. This, oh, yeah. They basically chanted that at Impact Show's and Impact tapings just this past week in Vegas, and I think they might edit that out Mm -hmm. when they head to Access TV later this year. Well, actually, no. When they head to Access TV next month. 
No, no, so, that's, so, so, the match is exactly what people want to see. Say what we will about the evil empire from Stanford to Connecticut. But this kind of has nothing to do with WWE. Killer Cross wants Dave Batista, the man, to show that he cares about MMA and pro wrestling together as one. So if we really get this match to happen, and I think it will, it's going to be more so to appease Killer Cross and us fans. And the minute that they announced the match to be official, I can see this now. It's going to be a complete sign. People will flock in droves to get into wherever it's going to be. Hmm. You mean it's going to be super no vacancy, a.k.a. extremely sold out and cramped? Oh, yes, I do. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. Hmm. Okay. Well, you know, I can kind of see both, both, both of your, uh, both how you both see it. Um, I mean, would it help uh, GCW in the long run? I don't know. Um, it might just get them eyes and notoriety that one day. Um, but would would that you know for a promotion like that, you know, that's important. Is getting much more notoriety. But also, I just hope you know that it wouldn't affect you know. Their ticket sales, because you know, hey, if you bring on Batista, I don't see how you can charge normal ticket rates. You probably have to charge a lot more just because of what you're paying him. And I'm, I don't, I hope that wouldn't turn off fans from the show, uh, and then they wind up taking it, eating a financial loss if, if the slight chance that it would happen. May I move? Like $80 nosebleed seats all the way up to $200 to $300 ringside seats. I guess so, yeah. I mean, also, I don't know. I forgot where WrestleMania is going to be next year. I don't know where they would do the. They would, you know. In Tampa Bay, Florida. Okay. At the stadium with the pirate ship near the end. So I don't know where, like, they would have, they have to put, put it on where, like, they know they can get a sizable audience, but also. Make enough, make their money back with what they're going to be paying him. So you obviously don't want to choose an arena that's too small, but if you over, if you choose an arena that's too big, it could wind up not selling out. Actually, I think you know I'm not going to say it could. It, I think it would sell out regardless, but I would hope that it would help. It would not hurt them financially. Is what I'm saying. Because then you know if they bring in Dave Batista one, one one next year, that means they can't bring Minoru Suzuki again for another five years. Then that would be. I would rather much have Minoru Suzuki there, uh, for five GCW shows than Batista for one GCW show on a WrestleMania weekend. I agree. Yeah, and you basically hold the fact that if they don't get Minoru Suzuki on there, he probably might get. I mean, he probably might not get a chance to compete on a GCW show in five years because, of course, there's that difficulty now. And I hate to go political, I really do. But there's that difficulty now with wrestlers, especially fighters from other countries, looking to come in and fight, only to get banned for a certain amount of time. <laughs> Speedball Mike Bailey being one of them. Mm -hmm. Or not even getting your uh, visa approved. And also because he's getting close to retirement age. Um, whenever that will be. And hmm. 
Um, he going to probably kick ass to the point where he don't even need to retire. He'll just retire when he feels weak. So, uh, but I, I want to propose a match, a future match for Nick Gage. And I want to see if you guys agree with this. Nick fucking Gage, Nick motherfucking Gage all day long versus Minoru Suzuki at a busboard show. That would be exciting because it would be the equivalent of The Rock versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. How? It would be the equivalent of The Rock versus Hulk Hogan because you got two icons of just badassery, even though, again, one has a rap sheet longer than the height of a Great Dane. But you got two icons of badassery looking to just beat the holy high hell out of each other just for the sake of fan support. <laughs> what do you think, Zach? Do you, is, it, is that something you want to see Nick, someone you want to see Nick Gage face off, or do you have somebody else in mind that you'd be a good match for Nick Gage in the future? If they ever pulled off Minoru Suzuki versus Nick Gage, I probably would have to be structured out of the damn building. Because those <laughs> those two guys are top class to me. Let me guess, you have promotions and shit? I probably would. That would be like, uh, let's see, who would I say is pretty good talent? Like, uh, Undertaker in his prime uh, versus Sting in his prime. That, you wouldn't know who to choose. You'd probably be like, oh, my God, this is just happening. Mm. And I'm blessed to see it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I understand. Um, but with that, I want to go on to the main events of this awesome card. Uh, the main event... We had the War Master, former two-time UFC heavyweight champion Josh Barnett, taking on the Dirty Daddy, Chris Dickinson. And Josh Barnett defeated Chris Dickinson by knockout with a head kick. And the first question I'm going to ask you, Zach, is, and it's an important question to ask, originally this match was supposed to be Josh Barnett versus John Moxley. Um, yeah. Do you think this match... Now, I think... I think a majority of people bought their tickets based on that match alone. But do you think this match was a was the a good, I guess, replacement for Moxley versus Barnett? Yes, I do wholeheartedly. For people that don't know Chris Dickinson, he actually does have a legit martial arts background. Mm -hmm. The guy has been wrestling over eleven years now. I remember seeing him practically almost at the start and getting the ride from his trainer back to Staten Island. Hmm. And along the way, we were talking about his match that I saw him in and dude outside of the ring is very, very humble. But when he actually gets into that ring, he really does get into a zone. So for me as a wrestling fan, it's like watching his story full circle come around. And people were talking about him after this whole entire match. The man that is a part of maybe what uh, people would say is the new version of the uh, 
Hit Squad family of New York in pro wrestling called Team Pazuzu, which also has uh, LAX. This weekend is the biggest of their careers. And I was blessed to see it live. With the exception of uh, yesterday's AAA, I wasn't at MSG. But the fact that Dickinson got to main event with his idol, and he said it post-match, that meant the world to him. If he was to retire, like, say, tomorrow or next month, he basically got his WrestleMania-style match. How can you say that you are not completely satisfied after fighting your childhood hero? Mm-hmm. And the overall match itself was hard-hitting from start to finish, and I couldn't ask for anything better. Mm-hmm. Um... Mm-hmm. What because I think this match had a lot of big shoes to fill, especially because listen, you're saying that Moxley and Barnett are going to be having a match, and then you know unfortunately Moxley got Mercer had to pull out, and then you and then who I guess unfortunately whoever you replace him with, minus maybe Minoru Suzuki, I think a lot of people would probably be worried that it would not, it might be disappointing, uh. Just because of what of what what the stakes were beforehand and what they were after the fact, but I definitely feel that yes, Chris Dickinson brought it in this match, and there were times where I thought, oh my God, he's gonna knock out Barnett. He's really gonna win this match because I think a lot of people going to this match probably thought that Dickinson had no chance of winning, but the way this match was done, you thought that Dickinson was actually gonna maybe win it. Uh, yes, I did, and um. What do you think? Uh, so, we have you seen Barnett wrestle before his blood sports stuff? Well, have I seen Barnett wrestle before his stuff? Like his New uh, Japan or, or IGF stuff? Uh, I'm trying to remember if I ever did. I think I may have watched maybe a smidget here and there, but my very first time seeing him live ever was against Suzuki. And that was the match of the year to me, mm-hmm. bar none. Because here's two guys who are practically over the age of 40 holding matches that somebody like an Undertaker and a Triple H should really be able to, but turned up the base like over 100. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know damn well the Undertaker and Triple H can't run that match, or even as we learned this year alone, the Undertaker and Bill Goldberg because they're limited. Oh my God! When I heard about that match, I just had to pull my head. No. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So, but please continue. Oh, sorry. Uh, I just want to get your overall thoughts on the match, Zach. How do you th- okay. when this when this match ended? What was how did how did you feel about it? Win, lose, or draw, I felt like Chris Dickinson was the legit winner because he really had that background. And Barnett said it himself that he didn't expect anything less of Chris. I thought that it was the right move. And if it was John Moxley, 
and it would have been the right move too. But sad to say, would give us a haul. But Mox really was out of it because of that nasty injury. They needed somebody to really be able to come through. And Chris Dickinson, to his credit, was one of the most over guys on the GCW roster, period. I think if you were to ask me the top three reactions to GCW wrestlers, Nick Gage is the king. That's far none. But Chris Dickinson, he's number two, definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So the prodigal son really held his own against the war master. And I couldn't be any product. I, I agree. And I think that's a lot of the match was, was the way this match was done. Like I said, like I said before, is that, you know, you kind of, what, you know, with Minoru Suzuki and Josh Barnett, it was kind of, I thought it was up in the air who might win that. Uh, but with this match, you kind of thought, oh, Chris Dickinson's being brought as a replacement. He's, he's just there to lose. But no, this match, if you, you know, you solidify, it solidified such a tone of Chris Dickinson can win this match. Now, and, you know, didn't feel like he was brought in to lose. Didn't feel like he was, that he, that, that is, that he was treated as an afterthought. It seemed, you know, from the way this match was and, you know, that promo that he did, uh, the video promo they did for GCW where he's on the subway going through uh, New York City near Penn Station, um, they made this like it was the most important match of his career. And he wrestled like it was. So, and I give so much, so much credit to uh, Chris. No, I've, I, Chris Dickinson has, I think, the, the other match I can think of that was the best match I've ever seen him in was when he fought, um, well, now Hiromu Takahashi. He fought uh, Kamatachi for House of Glory um, at a show that they did. About three years ago, and uh, and uh, you know, with these two matches, you know, I don't know where, where you know, I know that Chris Dickens is also an involved guy, um, but you know, I, 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 where he is on the, I guess on the indie level circuit, he certainly went up about five or six steps up the ladder in my eyes, um, from where I, I considered him. Um, before this, it was really, really good. Really, really. So I, I can't praise it enough. I can't say that this was, I can't, I can't give any more praise, uh, than I'm already giving it. Um, but, um, the, the question I have for you, Zach is who do you think would be a good future opponent for both of these, uh, people at a future, uh, GCW show? Okay. I think for Barnett, if somebody has to, take him on on a future event, uh, I would say Killer Cross. I thought would be a perfect fit to fight uh, Barnett because they're both very tall. They're both very popular. They have this similar uh, edge to them. They're both humble guys outside of the ring. But when they get into that zone or switch, they are untouchable, almost. Mm-hmm. So if 
the match ever happens, I, I probably have my jaw on the floor. Mm-hmm. Because they're both so damn good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Your thoughts, Christian? Who, who would you like to see Barnett and Dickinson maybe face at another uh, Bloodsport show? Well, you know, we did hear about... I mean, we did talk about Killer Kevin Cross versus Dave Batista, the animal Dave Batista, at... GCW presents Josh Barnett's Bloodsport 3. And I don't think it would happen because obviously you would have all these distractions. But as far as, you know, Josh Barnett goes, I think the only match that has eluded him would be him and John Moxley because he did, you know, so he did put out a promo after the match was over on Saturday. I don't know if you might have seen it, Andrew, but you definitely, Zachary, might have seen that because he referred to AEW as the office. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, and he wants, yeah, and he wants an opportunity to face off against John Moxley at a blood sports show, obviously. Mm-hmm. Well, so I would not uh, be surprised if it's at blood sport three. It, it mm-hmm. would that Mox is clear to go by then. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty sure by that time he will be clear to go. He'll be more than clear to go. He'll already be ready to go. And but now the question is, does AEW really have that strength of pull to really say, you know what, he's one of our top guys. We don't want him really facing off in these MMA-style fights now. Not yet, because again, if you think about it, if they do this, and right now, of course, they're not even a year in, they're more like six or seven months in, I mean, they're more like seven or eight months in, but right now, they're not even on TV yet, so what the fuck would be the point of them trying to have some pull when they can't even pull ratings yet? But, if... If they do, yeah, it's not a dig at Turner. It's not a dig at TNT. It's not a dig at TBS, but still. But still, if if in a year, I mean, if in the next few months they do let John Moxley do what he does, I think that would be cool. If not, they're a bunch of bitches. But, yeah, yeah, this is not me dissing and going on a rant. This is just me speaking the truth. Because you know damn well, as a rookie company, you know damn well not to have any stroke. You need to let your competitors be themselves rather than just, you know, be a pimp and own them like hoes. I'm sorry for saying it like that. I, 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 yeah. Oh, I was just going to... Sorry, Christian, go ahead, go ahead. And as far as Killer Kevin Cross is concerned, knowing that... He's probably done dealing with TNA's bullshit, Impact Wrestling bullshit, mind you. I don't really know who a great opponent would be, but I would have to think that his next opponent... No, wait, actually, what am I saying? I think that Killer Cross's next opponent, if it's not Dave Batista, most definitely should be either... 
I mean, most definitely should be Dirty Daddy Chris Dickinson or Manoa Man. Hell, Manoa Man versus Chris Dickinson would be pretty damn good, too. Let's be real. Hmm. Um, I'll be for that. Well, here's the thing, you know, he did say, you know, it sounds like, it sounds like this match is from the way that Barnett will, in our interview with Barnett and from what he said in this, in this promo, it sounds like this match will happen, but it sounded like if the match doesn't happen, it sounds like it's going to be an AEW uh, thing. So I think this match will happen, but you know, a few of AEW's guys have gotten injured on uh, non-AEW shows like Phoenix. Um, I think Luke... Did Luchasaurus get injured? No, someone else got injured. Another no, eight. Luchasaurus didn't get injured. Hot got sprained, and so did a. I mean, so did Adam Page. Yeah. Okay. Um. So you know, if you if you're on a, if those injuries continue to happen, and you know, you know, also with you know, Moxley did get Mer- supposedly got Mercer on the uh, G1 uh, during the G1. Um. If those things continue to happen, where injuries happen to the bigger names, then they're going to be more reticent about letting those guys do shows that are not AEW shows. So that's the one thing I'm worried about, is that they're okay with it now, but then, you know, let's just say, you know, oh, Kenny Omega is doing a DDT show, he snaps his leg or something, I don't know, then that's going to be the kibosh on any talent of theirs. Minus maybe Jericho doing anything outside um, the AEW um, circuits. Uh, or oh, AEW's. Well, of course, you know Jericho is going to do whatever the fuck he wants. He's got Fozzie and his podcast. Exactly, yeah. So I think we could be very. I think we can be positive in the outcome that this match is going to happen. Unless just like some really bad shit happens and AEW, you know gets cold feet and says, nope, nope, you ain't going Moxley, which I hope doesn't happen. I really hope that does not happen. Um, uh, but a match I'd like to see, Josh Barnett versus Davey Boy Smith Jr. I would love to see that. Oh, now that would be fun. A guy who fought Minoru Suzuki versus a guy who has been trained alongside Minoru Suzuki. That would definitely be fun. As well as, you know, maybe, you know, since their match did go to a draw, we do need a definitive finish. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Barnett Suzuki go at it one more time and get a winner. Yeah, no time limit this time, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But overall, uh, Zach, I want to get your overall thoughts on Josh Barnett's Bloodsport 2, uh, as well as, you know, compare it to the other two uh, Bloodsport shows that have happened. yeah, just tell us all, all those thoughts that you have. Okay. Overall, GCW Bloodsport 3. It was very great from start to finish. It did have a few downsides, like the countouts outside the ring. That should have never happened. In the true sport or honor of Bloodsport, they should have kept it the way it was. No countouts, no ropes, no pinfalls, just straight up brutality, start to finish. Winners are by knockout or submission. But take away that bullshit and just 
some craziness along the way. I would say that for anybody out there listening to the sound of my voice, please give it a shot. The only way that we're going to definitely keep these things going is if we as a community come together and really support GCW in that sense. Mm. As far as it being compared to the other two, uh, I would say that it really is on a stage higher than the other two because of the different aspects of what happened. It's the first show that Minoru Suzuki wasn't on. Overall, he was not involved in any shape or form. We have female talent now on this. Whereas before, it was just all sausage fun. From there, we got guys like Davey Boy Smith really starting to come up and get the wins that people thought probably wouldn't happen. And guys that aren't Suzuki or Josh Renat showing that, yeah, sure, we may be in our 40s, but we could still kick ass like we were 20 years. Mm-hmm. So for anybody out there, please, let's just come together and support this thing to really show GCW that blood sport should be not just a WrestleMania-style thing. We should have this like a Janela's Spring Break or uh, Orange Cassidy's whatever. Mm-hmm. Just make it a regular series if possible. Do you, when you say regular series, do you mean monthly? Do you uh, what do you in mean? a way, you can make it like an offshoot promotion. Make it like a UWFI revamp for the 21st century. Mm-hmm. I'd be in awe of that. Well, uh, as far as it being a series, I would say, like, make it more than a WrestleMania-style deal. Like, come around, i say, every two months or three months. Because I know that they actually do monthly like shows. Show, right? Like a bi-monthly show? Yeah, like bi-monthly is not quite so bad. Mm-hmm. Well, it all depends on GCW and how busy that they can be. Because I know Brett Lauderdale, he's like booking left and the right with all these other shows. So Bloodsport, it feels special because it's not the norm that we would get with the light tubes and everything else under the sun. Now, also, I don't know if this was you, Zach. May have been. I can't remember. But I know that someone suggested to Barnett that they do a Japanese version of Bloodsport. Was that you who suge- who told asked him to do that, or was that somebody else? I, I think that was somebody else, but I believe that I was thinking it. I was thinking if along the line that Bloodsport saying it got bigger than what it is now, that they would start taking it all around the world. Even Barnett himself said it without thinking that if uh, Bloodsport is its own thing or stays within GCW, that 
maybe that they can take it to Japan. He said that at the actual test. Okay. Would you foresee them? Do you think that they should? If they start, let's say they start running bi-monthly shows, try them up, whatever, how many, how many shows. Um, do you think that they should add championships? Or do you n not want to see championships in, uh, in this promotion? What made Bloodsport special is the non-championship uh, factors. The fact that we actually got people such as a Nick Gage or a, a Anthony Henry, Sienna, uh, Nicole Savoy, those are already champions established elsewhere. Mm -hmm. But if they ever made championships, I would be for it. Now the question is, how do you go about it? Not only that, but do you start separating the males according to class by way of, say, you're over 205 to 225 pounds? You're quote unquote considered a heavy. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, and if 265 pounds or more, you're considered either super heavy, ultra, or open weight. Mm hmm. Exactly. Now, that's the question. Will they really start having separate classes? Because in order to have championships, I don't know if it's going to be like uh, tr truly the traditional pro wrestling where you can almost have a light heavy fight a heavy for a championship. But if they ever did, that's what I think is going to happen. Probably separate class. The other thing I also worry about is that, you know, especially with the way that res indie wrestling is now, is that you never know who's going to get signed next. And now with AEW, it's just one more company that, that can potentially sign someone exclusively. Um, along with Impact, uh, New Japan, uh, WWE, obviously. So the, the worry I also have is somebody who's champion one month, oh, they get signed next month. Now you got to vacate, vacate the title and, you know, with the amount of people that are being signed right now to a lot of companies, it's almost, it all, I almost feels like, why would you want to have a champion? Especially because you don't know if they're going to be with you for even like the week after they get their belt. That's also oh, that's kind of like the situation with uh, Villain Enterprises with uh, Ring of Honor and NWI. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, oh, I, I was thinking, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Um... What about, like, maybe, like, every year, or, or I don't know, maybe a tournament-style type of, of thing, but, like, there's no championship. It's just maybe, like, the winner of that year. Kind of like kind of like their King of the Ring or, or like, a Pride Grand Prix or something along those lines, Zach. Would that be something? Wait a minute. Are you talking about a one-night four-man or one-night eight-man tournament? Uh, not even one night. Maybe, like... I don't know. Maybe it could be something that's done throughout the year. Maybe where you have maybe two or three tournament matches. The rest are just one-off matches or something like that, um, or something along those lines. Where you know, in the, the final show of the year, or or maybe the WrestleMania show is when um is when you have the finals, something like that. I don't know. Maybe something more more Grand Prix style instead of a championship. I don't know. Do you have any, You think that could work? I think it would 
depend on the companies that would be involved. Yeah, right now we got, technically in the pro wrestling community, the relationship with uh, AEW and AAA, I believe. Mm -hmm. But also, from what it seemed yesterday, that uh, AEW may also start getting into bed with Impact because Impact also presented that AAA show from yesterday. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you can see, and they're going to be airing it at the end of the week on Access TV. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So it would depend on what companies get together. If it was something like okay, GCW, right now they are in bed with uh, Freedoms and Big Japan. So I can see them kind of like trading off different style of, uh, what you call it, uh, talents. Mm-hmm. So if they were to do a big show, like all these companies come together, like for throughout the year, I'd be off for it. It's just depending on time and situation. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I guess a better comparison, like if they kind of did like a BOLA type thing, maybe. Oh, yeah, that could work. That could work because basically with the BOA, from what I understood, it's not just guys that are in uh, Gorilla. There were people that were coming from New Japan, Ring of Honor, so many other promotions. Even Jeff Cobb was in it and won it. Mm-hmm. I was in awe. I said, Wow, this is really the biggest tournament in the Indies. Exactly, yeah. May have like the blood sport. May that made the blood sport, and I mean this the Midwest Central area has the um, the Ted Petty Invitational. Um, at one time, I guess um, you could say that ECWA had won the big bigger tournaments on the East Coast, but a lot of people don't pay attention to that anymore. Um, Maybe uh, Bloodsport can maybe try to, like, be the East Coast... I know that GCW is not really an East Coast promotion, per se, but maybe try to do something like... Maybe that could be, like, their their their, their East Coast answer to, to BOLA, potentially. Oh, my God. If that was to happen, like, say, hypothetically... Brett Lauderdale, Danny Lamonto, or whoever really runs GCW listens to this show, and they took that into into consideration, and then announced, like, say, two to six months from now, oh, we're doing something like BOLA, we're going to bring in these different styles of fighters from all over the planet, stay tuned, and then scarcely put them through shows. I would just be floored with my mouth. I'd just say, wow, I hope I could get out. Mm-hmm. Um, as for the shows in terms of quality, I think that the I think that the one from April was the best show that they've done so far. It's obviously three shows only, but I really, I know also I was there live. I know being in person is a bias of some kind, but nonetheless, <laughs> I, you know, it still was like a... I thought it was just an amazing show from start to finish. Um, this one, uh, the Matt Riddle one, 
the, I had problems with that because I feel like a lot of, there was a lot of pro wrestlers that were trying to do like MMA style, and some of them clicked and some of them didn't. Like Kyle the Beast, I don't think I don't think Kyle the Beast should be doing that type of style. Um, but this. I wasn't uh, this this show, you know, like I said, you know, I think it was over uh, overall great from start to finish. With some walls, you know, particularly the Allison K Nicole Savoy match, uh, a little bit of confusion about the rules as well. And also, I did watch it on fight, so there was I did have issues with the commentary as well. I didn't I didn't see the April show with commentary, so I can't judge that commentary. But I I think the commentary could have been overall a little bit better uh, for this show. Um, but I mean, I can't say that Blood Sports ever been bad, um, with their three shows. I've never been like, well, I just wasted my $20, fuck this shit, I'm, I'm watching something else. I never, I, I don't, Blood Sports never been bad at all. Um, and, um. Now, from, uh, from you guys' point of view, considering the fact that you, Andrew, watched the show at home, and you, Zachary, Watch the show from the venue in Atlantic City, which of course used to be the Las Vegas. I mean, used to be Las Vegas for boxing before Las Vegas became Las Vegas. I just have to ask this one question, and then we're going to close the show out. Did this blood sport card that you guys watched make you want to buy another event? From Game Changer Wrestling, that's not a Bloodsport card. Oh. Zach, I want you go first. I'm going with GCW pretty much by way of buying their product since uh, this past summer. So, this doesn't change anything for me. I'm still going to be with them through thick and thin. Mm hmm. For myself, um, I'll be there for every Bloodsport show. I still don't like some. I think some. I still don't like some of the deathmatch shows they do. Like, I'll be honest, I could do without Jimmy Lloyd. I don't. Not a big fan of Jimmy Lloyd. Um, I well, let's see. Spring Break maybe, but I was. So just exhausted from spring break last year. I think the show went maybe clocked in at five hours or close to five hours. Or at least it was, it was definitely over four hours. And I was just so exhausted. So I'll definitely do another spring break show. But God, please, I just hope it's not It's not that long. I hope it's not. Um, well, if you think about it, the event did last pretty much all night. Oh God! No, literally, I think it was it was like midnight to about four a.m. Maybe three a.m. Something like that. Um, and actually, no, that they started late because remember the Ring of Honor New Japan show was going on at the same time. So I think they started the show a little later so that people could go from MSG to whatever it was in New Jersey to get to that show. So I think that show. Oh, White Eagle Hall. Yeah, White Eagle Hall. Yeah. So they started that show. Yeah. So. Yeah, they started that show much later as well. Um, I definitely, you know, let's see. I um, I know that Jimmy Lloyd's fuck fest, fright, whatever it's called, is coming up. I mean, I don't know if I'll if I'll tune into that show. Um, let's see. I'll be there definitely for all the Bloodsport shows. That I'll definitely be for there for all of them. 
and I and I and like I said at the well, you weren't here, question why I said this, but I like what their overall approach is to wrestling. At least trying new stuff. Does everything work? In my opinion, no. But I at least like that they try and take risks compared to many other promotions who just played safe. Uh, mm-hmm. But but actually, before we go uh, quickly, uh, I want to get thoughts on three wrestlers that you who have never wrestled for Bloodsport that you would love to see wrestle at a Bloodsport show. So, Zach, you go first. Okay. Three wrestlers that have never wrestled on Bloodsport that I would like to see. At the top of my list, I would say Ken Shamrock. If somehow, some way, they really can get the world's most dangerous man on, even if it was just a one-off, that would be a huge coup. That would make Bloodsport something that people would say for years, hey, it's legit. Because Shamrock is considered one of the greatest MMA fighters of all time, and his name attached to it would be something good for the brand. As far as my second choice, I would say Dave Batista, even if it was like a one-off. Again, like with Shamrock, it's by way of association, and I don't think that would hurt the brand. I think that would make some people's eyes actually go, oh my God, it would be like the equivalent of uh, Jericho showing up at uh, New Japan mm-hmm. some odd years ago. Mm-hmm. That was almost two years ago, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yes, so that could happen. As far as my final pick, Somebody that would be great for Bloodsport. I know this is a slim chance, but it's highly possible because he did make an appearance for GCW, I think, during the Tournament of Survival, but he was injured at the time. Kenta. Would be a great fit for Bloodsport because he has that martial arts background. He's got that strong style finesse that has been seen in these uh, Bloodsport events. I was kind of hoping that Kenta was going to show up in this one, but I wasn't depressed. But if they ever said the words Kenta, Josh Barnett's Bloodsport, Oh, please take all my money. Hmm. What about okay, you? Okay, so you got your three, I got my three, and I'm going to basically start this off by saying a name that you guys probably have never heard of, only I have heard of, and I think that this guy probably might be a perfect fit for a blood sport card. His name is Rex Andrews. He competes out of the Booker T's reality of wrestling promotion down here in my neck of the woods, the greater Houston, Texas area, Galveston County, Texas more specifically. But he's competed in grappling competitions. He's competed in professional wrestling for about 15 or 16 years. He's trained in India. He's competed in Japan for Wrestle 1. 
And oh, by the way, he's a precision tactician who is also a former reality of wrestling world champion and a former reality of wrestling Texas heavyweight champion. So I wouldn't mind seeing Rex Andrews finally get that catapult, that push to compete on the world stage at a blood sport card. The second person that I wouldn't mind seeing on a blood sport card, that's gonna be a bit that's gonna be a bit iffy because this man just retired back in April from ruling hellacious eleven year MMA career. But I wouldn't mind seeing King Mola Wall compete at Bloodsport if given the chance, because of course his pro wrestling career didn't really pan out the way he wanted it to, even though he did compete for OVW, Impact Wrestling, and at WrestleCade, I think a couple of years ago. But of course, him being a showman, him having a career in Sengoku and in Ring, I mean, shit. In Sengoku and in D, uh, damn it. Sengoku and Ryzen. Sengoku and Ryzen. He's used to feet. He's used to fighting in a ring more often, even though he did fight in Strike Force. He's a former Strike Force light heavyweight champ and a former Bellator light heavyweight title challenger. But again, injuries have hampered him. But if given enough time, if he does have an interest in competing in wrestling one more time before he truly calls it a career, I wouldn't mind seeing him in Bloodsport. And this third person. I think you might be familiar with I think both of y'all might be familiar with him. Shinya Aoki. Toby Khan Judon, the master of leg locks. The former 1F, actually no, the current 1FC lightweight champion who also was the former DDT KOD openweight champion. But still, he... Ever since he got into professional wrestling a couple of years back at an IGF show, no wait, actually, four years ago at an IGF show, he has been doing the same thing he's been doing in MMA with Pride and Dream and 1FC now. He's been racking up bodies. He's been racking up legs. And I think that if Shinyaoki gets a chance to compete on U.S. soil one more time because, of course, the last time he fought on U.S. soil, he lost to Eddie Alvarez in a Halloween beatdown in Cleveland. But still, I think if Shinya Oki competes at a blood sports show, the crowd will definitely go apeshit. And I think that people will enjoy seeing him compete and just popping off as soon as Baka Survivor hits the damn airwaves. Mm. Now, what about you, Andrew? Who's your top... I mean, who's your three people that you wouldn't mind seeing in Bloodsport? Well, starting from bottom bottom up, uh, number three, and you might laugh, but I won't lie. Every time this guy's in a match, it's always like you never know what's going to happen. Scott Steiner. Hmm, really? Yes. Plus, don't forget, he is a he is a collegiate wrestler at University of oh, Michigan. Yeah. Um, University of Michigan. Uh, number two, you and I both see eye to eye, Shinya Aoki as well. Also, do have to correct you though. He is a former U one uh, FC lightweight champion because he did lose it to Christian Lee just recently. Damn. 
And he's a former Dream Lightweight champion, ain't he? Yep. Uh, but number one, because I think that he would absolutely be this would this is absolutely his type of wrestling. And I think he's a very underrated pro wrestler when he was in New Japan. Um uh, now he's not there anymore, but um Kazushi Sakuraba. Holy uh the wrestler, the Gracie Hunter. Yeah. And was it and don't forget, he started out in UWFI initially. Then went mm-hmm. to MMA. So this is totally his wheelhouse. And I think he would absolutely be, you know, I also want an excuse for Sakurara to come over here as well uh, and hopefully get a chance to see him live. But this is absolutely his, that's absolutely like, this is what he was trained to do when he first started as a pro wrestler. And I think, you know, I would love to see him, you know, as, for our, as who he faces off against, I have no idea. You know, he already did the Minoru Suzuki match for Wrestle Kingdom. Um, I don't know. I don't know who you'd put him up against. Josh Barnett. That's true, yeah. Josh Barnett and uh and uh Sakuraba, yeah. Why not? And it would also mark Sakuraba's first time competing in professional wrestling in the US and his third time competing in the US this no wait. His third time competing in the US over the last twelve years, going on thirteen. Oh yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. He did compete at a Metamorphs card, losing to Hoist Gracie. He did compete on the K1 Dynamite USA card, also losing to Hoist Gracie. And he would be competing here in pro wrestling if the chance. Um, wait, I, well, didn't he have the match against Hensel Gracie that, uh, that went to a draw, I think? Uh, was that Polaris or was that Metamorphosis? Probably Metamorphosis. Okay. But but, any, but nobody really remembers Metamorphosis because of how bad they went. Yeah. Oh yeah. Let's not talk about that because that'll be a, that'll be a rabbit hole we don't want to go down. But I think everybody has some really great ideas and choices for Bloodsport. You know, and yeah, I definitely could say Bloodsport three. I welcome it. As long, along with Bloodsport 4, 5, 6, however long they want to do this. I think it's a great concept. You know, just, you know, figure out a little bit more of the rules. You know, try to get more consistency. You know, decide that this is this, that you can do this, you can't do that. You know, whether, you know, all that stuff. And then, you know, I think we have a solid spinoff promotion from GCW that can actually last on its own uh, in, in, the, uh, in the independent scene. Um, but with that, um, Zach, I do want to, uh, I want to throw it off to you. I want you to give all of your plugs, your social media, your, your, uh, your, your program that you do, anything else that you have. I don't know. Plug everything that you're involved with. Uh, the floor is yours. All right. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen, for having me on your show. I appreciate it. I was still in awe that you both actually contacted me to be on here. And it well, was like, Andrew did more of the contacting. <laughs> I just sat idly by. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So for people out there, I'm Zachary Shadow. I host a show called The Black Lions Airspace, which is more so me talking about pro wrestling stuff like... Uh, <clears throat> cartoons, music, 
and other things that I just can't think of off the top of my head. I have another show called Black Lion's Eyesight, which is something I run on YouTube that is basically the more so visual version of Black Lion's airspace where you basically see life through my eyes and see me as a person doing stuff like going to wrestling shows, which I really got to upload soon. <laughs> you can oh. follow me. So go, go ahead, Zach. Go ahead and continue. Where okay. can we follow you at? You can find me on Linktree slash Z-A-C-S-H-I-1-3-0, which should take you to my Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook pages. Also, give you multiple outlets to listen to the audio show called Black Lions Airspace. And also, my YouTube page that actually has Black Lions eyesight. Thank you very much. And if you do subscribe and listen to me, Thank you very much out there. I appreciate every single person that has been along on my journey and wants to continue on with me and even give me a chance. Uh, did you uh, did you plug your Twitter as well? I, I unfortunately did. Uh, did you give that as well? Yeah, I said on my link tree that my uh, Twitter actually is on it, but I'll actually give it separately. Okay. You can follow me on Twitter at. Z-A-C-S-H-I-1-3-0 or my full name of Zachary Shiloh. Great, great. Okay. And uh, Christian, I'm going to I'm gonna throw over the our plugs uh, to you. All right, but just to let you know, since this isn't a rising show, Lenny Hart will not be gracing us with her presence this evening. But <laughs> I can tell you this. When it comes to us, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us separately on Twitter, that is. Andrew is at Abenja1. A-B-E-N-J-A-1. God damn it, what am I saying? You, Andrew Benjamin, are at Abenja1, correct? At A-B-E-N-J-1, all in one word? Yep. And I... I'm at Chris Gary 92 C-H-R-I-S-G-A-R-Y-9-2, all in one word. The show page is at We Are Rising Pod, W-E-A-R-E-R-I-Z-I-N-P-O-D, all in one word. You can follow and check out this show on SoundCloud, on Stitcher. We're trying to update our damn YouTube channel. Or, hopefully soon, instead of that, Hopefully soon, and I keep saying this, but I hope we're going to be on every podcast platform you can find, whether you have to download an app or just listen on your smart device of choice. You can check out this show, obviously, on those platforms. As far as Focus Fights goes, we cover fight prospects from all over the globe, the scene of all the continents, with the exception of Antarctica, will be emphasized. You can check us out on all forms of social media except for YouTube because the URL is pretty shitty. But you can check us out on all forms of social media at Focus Fights. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and 
pretty soon YouTube if we can edit our URL. <laughs> and also don't forget to check out the best damn fight log area. Facebook.com slash DMMA opinion. Check them out. And also, for more information about Game Changer Wrestling, you can check them out on Twitter at GC Wrestling. Or you can like them on Facebook. Check out the YouTube channel. Check them out on Fight TV, which, oh, by the way, you can follow them on all forms of social media at fight.com. No, at Fight TV, F I T E, hashtag Fight Like You Mean It. Or you can just go to Fight's website, fight.tv, check out their schedule, and then inform them on all forms of social media how much you love their schedule and how much you want to see them succeed. Because let's face it, we do not want to see them get bought out by the big fan Stanford, don't we? No, we don't. Absolutely not. No um. But also, uh, if you want to watch the Bloodsport 2 show, go on Fight.TV on their website or through their app to order the show. Uh, I can assure you, you will not be disappointed. I think it's uh, only $20, uh, which is, you know, there was a lot of wrestling shows this past weekend. You had AAA, you had WWE, uh, I think Impact had a show as well. There was a UFC show as well. Um, in fact, actually, funnily enough, Minowar Man was, was having his match when, uh, Mikhail Perea was having his, 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 uh, crazy-ass match during UFC. So, you know, you had a lot of options. But, for those who are watching, I mean, for those who can actually go to Fight.TV, just note that the Impact Wrestling, Game Changer Wrestling, well, actually, both Impact Wrestling, Game Changer Wrestling, and AAA at their shows on the Fight TV app, and you can order them at your leisure. Yeah. But please check out the Bloodsport show. It was pretty damn unique. It was pretty damn interesting, and, you know, I hope this leads to more in the weeks and months to come. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but other than that, Mr. Shiloh, we thank you for joining us as much as we thank all of y'all for listening to us. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And for all the... Oh, what am I trying to say? That's it for us for now. We thank you for joining us and listening to a special, a very special edition of the We Are Rising podcast. But until... No, wait, actually, we can't even close it out with Lenny Hart because this ain't a rising show. But until... 